heavy blow to the skull. This is not a test. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DestralProds.com Movies and Television Podcast. It's been a minute. Sorry about that. I, I don't know. You know the song. Yeah, we you you know, know the song by now. Yeah, same shit, different day. I'm dead. Joe, today we got Cave. Hi. And new shit, but somewhat old shit. Oh, we got Birdie. Only get one. <laughs> Yes, Birdie has a couple of weeks of freedom in between, I don't know, whatever nightmare he's dealing with. And hopefully the nightmare has ended. Hopefully the nightmare has ended. I no longer work for Dickens villains. Yeah, so. Did I tell you that bit, Dad? That, like, my bosses at my old job were um, crowing that they saved money on the money they spent for food on children? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did, I was like, I'm not gonna laugh at this. I've heard this story a few times. Nope, laughed. <laughs> oh yes, we could save thirty tuppence by not feeding the children. More like uh, we shall deny them the most basic necessities. Actually, I think it was close to forty-eight thousand a month. I think is what they said they saved. <laughs> oh my god, that's too much. That is too much money. It's like, please, sir, I want some more. And they just they just look over the English teacher like, how dare you teach them Oliver Twist in this scenario? <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got Birdie for a couple weeks, so he's gonna be on here. We're gonna be, we got a new this comics gonna podcast coming out soon. From him. <laughs> yeah, we got a new comics podcast that we're gonna be doing soon. Uh, we're finally done with Titans, but then Birdie dove back in to relive the horrid memories of the first three seasons. He does that to himself. Yeah. Yeah. I, way, Birdie, I get why we're friends now. We're going to be watching down. Oh, we're going to be watching Titans in our downtime. <laughs> I don't know why you would do that to yourself. Yeah. If you're going like, to do that. He's got me on a blood contract. You have no reason to. Yeah. If you're going to watch Titans by yourself, at least watch it with our commentary tracks. available now at DestalProds.com. The last one was three hours. Yes, it was. Oh, God. We did three episodes. Okay. Okay. I thought there was like one episode and then two hours of complaining. No, it was three episodes and then an hour of complaining. <sighs> but yes, Titans is done and up. Uh, we'll, I'll be getting Birdie's meta review of the entirety of Titans up in the next week or so. Yeah, I'm never writing that again. Yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> I am honestly surprised you did it the first time. Especially for fucking Titans. We already have like... It has to be expunged. Yeah, we have like 70 hours to expunge it. Yeah, and I still wasn't able to say everything bad about Titans. <laughs> like, speaking of which, Cave, just a question, just to delude you from ever wanting to watch Titans. Um, if a character is physically of age, but mentally not, is it still statutory to have sex with them? <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and it's rape both ways. Okay. This question also technically applies to Green Lantern. Ah! <laughs> no, she was mentally of age. Like she was mentally fully developed as an adult. 
From what I from what like I remember, it wasn't a case. From what I had read, of, she was like ten, and then she got fucking just jumped up. Yeah, but that was a thing that happened with her species. Like it wasn't a clone tube where a human came out after being five years old to like actually like pretend they were an adult. Like her species, like their brain was designed to develop in this way. Cool. Oh, still squicky, <laughs> but slightly less. Like marginally less, and by like marginally, I mean like the margin is a hair, <laughs> and you're just like you're you're balancing on it for your dear life. Like that's the margin. <laughs> it is still very squicky, uh. but there can be an argument made. Whereas a five year old test tube baby, there can't be. Yeah, a five year old test tube baby fucking a thirty year old woman with green goop in her ear. Purple, Purple goop. goop yeah, we're, we, if we're going to shit on it, we got to shit on it properly. Yes. But that's all I really wanted to talk about Titans. I just, since Cave brought it up, I thought I would ask the question to dissuade him from ever wanting to watch Titans. God, I, Although, I was joking. You didn't have to. <laughs> I was making a joke. I was being sarcastic. Yeah, he's heard us bitch and moan for like five years now, I think. Yeah. Yep. Although, uh, Dead, if you don't mind, I'm going to use talking about Titans as an excuse to talk about the first uh, disappointing thing I watched. Sure. So the Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Batman. I just want to say this. As a friend group, we had agreed that this movie was going to be terrible and it wasn't worth our time. And then Birdie was like, "Ah, I've got to watch this on my own. And I was like, why? why it's not you terrible. It's just incredibly blah. Like, it's the movie equivalent of Mr. Neutral from Futurama. <laughs> I have no strong feelings about this either way. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be... Well, no, like, I like... say that that seems to be the mindset, but everyone I talk to is either like, this is the greatest Batman movie ever made, or uh, so you're either me or you're you've got your head stuck up Matt Reeves' ass. Yeah, like the general opinion, like the general opinion I've seen boiled down to like the fucking Rotten Tomatoes thing, not the actual Rotten Tomatoes thing, but just like like taking all like the disparate opinions and trying to like distill that down into an idea of what the movie is. From everything I heard, it's like it looks good. Kind of. There's parts of it that are dumb, but they mostly come down to like writing for the aesthetic of like this is like hot topic Batman. <laughs> well, yeah, you know the it, bat symbols made out of the gun that killed his parents. Yeah, I was about to mention that that like the the first battering Batman ever made that's on his chest at all times was forged from the gun that killed his parents. God, it's like a D and D character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also a D&D character that none of us would ever let the char- the the player go with because I'm used to Batman plot armor even though we all three of us I think hate plot armor Batman, but it's lazy. Yeah, it's lazy and this is the worst it's ever been. Like there's the scene in the trailer where he like RoboCop walks down a hallway and just takes automatic weapon fire to the chest and doesn't react. And it apparently just gets worse than that because he 
he takes sniper rounds at point blank range and just kind of reacts like the T one thousand at the end of T two. Like it doesn't hurt him. It he just kind of is like ow. Just uh, stop and, it. Until like he takes a, a shotgun at close range and it blows him back, but doesn't hurt him. <laughs> this is of course after he uh, spectacularly failed his reflex saves after he jumped and flew off the building and crashed into a bridge, a bus, and two cars after falling 50 stories. Nice. And he just had a limp. He basically just, it was basically the, the family guy joke. (laughs) But like no scars or bruises or bandages or anything. He was just like, Oh, that hurt. Yeah. This will be a joke that probably none of you, neither of you will get, but it's like he just shot himself in the head. I'm not sure that would make, I'm not sure that would make much difference either because he takes a bomb at close range to the face and is not ever injured. Good lord! Oh, so this is one of those drunk cavemen would fly into a rage moments. Yes. God, that video you sent uh, that of just fucking drunk cave just screaming. <laughs> it's the first no, time a, I've a, seen that. A bomb that completely incinerated a man went off about the distance, uh, caveman, you and I are usually from each other on the couch, and he was Fuck just completely no. unarmed, except he was unconscious. Did Fuck they? No. Did they do the typical thing of having him react in time to get his cape up? No. Okay, yeah, that's dumb. Like, like, <laughs> like, like a lot of like the Batman plot armor stuff. For the most part. Has a dumb but acceptable reason for it existing in comic stuff. Like, like a what? No, is that? that's the thing. Like, I think he is more bulletproof than his own Batmobile. <laughs> like, yeah, because like isn't, isn't his Batmobile in this just a car? Yeah, it's basically just a muscle car with a like a like a go kart level giant thruster on the back of it. But like the penguin played as every Italian stereotype ever by Irish actor Colin Farrell. Yeah. Um, uh, what? Shoots him, shoots him no, with... no, 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 no. Take five steps back. <laughs> Colin Farrell? Colin Farrell plays the Penguin. As one of the most debonair Batman villains. No, like they're playing him... Colin as... Farrell. No, they're playing him like kind of every version you hate, Cave, where... He dresses like a gentleman, but acts like a thug. I need to make sure I know who this is. It's Bullseye from Daredevil. Okay, it wasn't who I was thinking of, but still. What? Yeah, like, like honestly, honestly, the makeup for him was one of the things that was kind of selling me on the movie because I was like, oh, hey, who's this guy playing the Penguin? I'm sorry, it's who? Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. It's still wrong. <laughs> But it's not as bad as the other character actor I thought it was. I it's thought it was impressive. the guy who played Elf. You thought it was Will oh, Ferrell? No. Yes! I knew their names were similar. <laughs> yes, I thought it was Will Ferrell. That would be worse, but maybe more entertaining. The problem is Penguin is pointless in the movie. His only point in the movie is to be a red herring and to point out that Batman needs to improve his Spanish. It honestly... Like, it honestly would have been more interesting, like, like, looking at it from a perspective of someone who hasn't seen it, it feels like it would be more interesting if the Penguin, like, leaned into Irish gangster stereotype with Colin Farrell. Yeah, but be- they, want because... him to be a to- they want him to be a toady to Carmine Falcone, 
So they decided to go Italian, not Irish. That's uh, that's just lazy. I, well, I, yeah, it's lazy. I mean, I haven't even told you like the main plot of this, which is the laziest fucking thing in the world, since both of you... Well, for, first as an example, this movie gets a lot of credit for referencing important stuff from the comics, but you and I are like enough, like to the point where someone on Twitter said, you should really read the comics before you criticize this movie. And Cora had to come to my defense by pulling out a picture he apparently had of all the comics I've lent him of Batman over the years. (laughs) Just here's my receipts, get fucked. (laughs) But, so, like, the majority of the plot for this is if The Long Halloween was also seven by David Fincher. Okay, I was gonna say this, like, everything I'd heard about it was just, this was seven but stupid. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the plot string. That's the Batman movie that I don't like, right? Yeah, it's the it's the one where you hate this trope, where young Batman means incompetent Batman. Yay! And like accidentally solving the case, Batman. Uh, yeah, no, that is definitely in the, true in this case because uh, someone had to tell him what a tool for tucking carpets was for him to solve the master scheme of the Riddler. Oh my God! <laughs> it's like what? Oh my god, that 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 fucking trope. Seriously. For Batman. Yeah, so throughout the movie cave, Riddler has been killing people with this metal tool that no one could identify until this one cop looked at it and said, Oh yeah, that's a tucker. They use it to tuck carpets in apartments. And then immediately Batman knew exactly what Riddler was doing. It was just too late. Yeah, Batman just looks at the carpet thing and just hear do 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 Almost, yeah. Just as the, just, just like an episode of Psych, just looks at it, and all of a sudden, just <laughs> Psych makes more sense than this. Well, yeah, because Psych's mysteries are so like Psych doesn't pretend its mysteries are highbrow. Like as much as I hate Sean Spencer, I will approve Psych's writing mostly. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, I didn't get to the ultimate lazy thing, uh. So, remember, I asked you guys a question on Viber, either, I think it was two days ago, where it's like, hey, if Batman injects a random green substance into yeah, his suit, it, yeah. it's... Yeah, and both of us it, were like, yeah, it's Bane. It's, it's yeah, Venom. and we it's were like, Bane's oh, Venom. well, that would make sense, but Bane is never mentioned and Venom is never mentioned, so it's literally just a plot MacGuffin. But well, that, that's because Bruce, movie... Bruce Wayne didn't let the devil in. <sighs> that's, that's because the movie is just that lazy because the ultimate plot reveal that is apparently shocking is that Carmine Falcone is the bad guy. Oh! In an early Batman story? Impossible. Oh yeah. my so god! Since, since 90% of our audience would have no idea, uh, early Batman dealt a lot with more with gangsters and stuff like that than the Joker. Well, my, my like, problem with that is, isn't like, as, isn't as like early... point is that Batman Begins was a thing 15 years ago. Yeah. Also, isn't didn't the Joker start out as just a gangster? Yes. Oh, and the Joker's in this movie. Yeah, I saw the deleted scene. But um, yeah, he's he's the Hannibal Lecter of this universe because of course he is. But like, basically, that's the reason I reacted that way though is because Batman got his start fighting gangsters and it's also why the argument of the batman brings crazy people is an actual thing is because at the start batman took out gangsters and then 
actual factual supervillains stepped into the void created by taking out those gangsters. Yeah. Yeah, except in the case of this universe, there are already several supervillain-type characters. Also, Batman just flat-out loses. <laughs> Which like, is why that argument does not work in most of them. Yeah, movies. like, at the end of, like, he, he beat... This is another funny thing. Like, from the, from the perspective of dramatic storytelling, you kind of don't want the final battle to be Batman just beating up the main villain's henchmen. Because yeah, you've no. already... Because, like, the Riddler is arrested a half hour before the movie is over. Jesus. The rest of the movie is just his plan playing out and Batman fighting henchmen with guns. Yeah. That's not how you want like a Riddler plot to end. Like that's not how you want, mo that's not how you want many plots to end, but especially like yeah. a Riddler plot. Yeah. And I kind of hate this Riddler anyway. Like I get what they're going for with him. Like uh, again, for, for Batman, for caveman's point about Batman brings in his own villains. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea that Batman's just like get angry at everything and don't be a symbol of hope thing. Him having to realize that's a bad mindset. One of my favorite Batman moments comes from, oh God, what was it called? New Frontier. Justice League New Frontier. Well, yeah, that's because Rest in Peace Darwin put that name as a master. Can, I'm sorry. Can I, can I say the moment? Okay. So Batman is trying to rescue a kid and the kid gets scared. So Batman is like, I don't want to scare kids, and makes his, like, Adam West-style costume so that kids won't be scared of him anymore. Yeah. And it's just, like, that is such a powerful Batman moment, because he can't go away from the I am the symbol of fear, but he absolutely wants to make himself more accessible to kids. Yeah. And it's, that that is my Batman. Yeah, like the best versions of Batman, not the greasy edge lord who like might as well have been the one to shoot his parents for how he reacts to their deaths. Yeah, yeah I mean like, Bruce, Bruce Wayne is not a character. Like I I know the the whole trope of Bruce Wayne's not real. Batman is the real person. Bruce Wayne's a mask. But there's so little distinction between Bruce Wayne and Batman in this movie. He doesn't. He basically does. It's the same as like with the Man of Steel movie where. Clark Kent doesn't really exist, which I think is a mistake in both cases. Absolutely, uh, like the Clark Kent one, especially because, like, fuck, man, it, I, I do not get, like, the Kill Bill mentality of, of Clark Kent is like the parody of humanity that Superman puts on. That so many people seem to have adopted with modern Superman stories, like non-comic stories. There's so much of it because. He was literally raised from basically birth to his, like, mid-twenties as just some fucking dude in Kansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he had powers, but he but his parents weren't like, oh, praise be to the great thing. It's like, it's like, Clark, put down that tractor and go do your homework. Oh, but ma, now, mister, you're bad safe now. No heat vision until after you finished your piece. If I just heat vision, I can, can just burn I heat all my vision peas. vision my peas? No, you can't. Get to work. <laughs> Why are his parents Irish? I don't know. <laughs> well, because Caveman was so mad that Colin Farrow decided to be Italian, he needed to inject some Irish <laughs> into some Midwest people. <laughs> it's like, don't you know? Oh, Faith and Begora, it'd be Superman. 
I was going for like the don't you know kind of accent, but yeah, you're you're, you're going for like, you're going for like like you're going for like Fargo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the so anyway, the the that that moment that Caveman's describing in this movie is where one of the thugs Batman's fighting says the the dumb line from the trailer, "I am vengeance," and Batman realizes, "What? I'm inspiring stupid people." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's kind of the look on his face. And oh my god! Uh, and so he's like, "Oh, I actually have to be a symbol of hope. I can't just beat people up in the streets." People need to stop making Batman movies for a while. Yeah, but this movie made so much goddamn money; they're going to make uh, two more in this style in this series. With the second one, apparently bringing back this Riddler teamed up with the Joker. I'm going to say this, and I, like, surface level disagree with it, at my core agree with it. I think we need to stop making superhero movies for a little while. At least make less of them. Yeah, just not the fucking deluge. And when I say superhero movies, I mean, all right, time to stop this horrible evil that's going to destroy everything. If we're going to have superhero movies... Can we have a couple that... Can we have, like, the superhero rom-com? Like, can we have the superhero comedy? Yeah. Like, can we just have, like, a daily life superhero movie? If we have to have superhero movies, can we have Doctor Strange loses his keys? I still want a legitimate superhero horror movie. That would be fucking awesome. Because, uh, uh, Multiverse of Madness, or whatever it was called... Doctor Strange movie? Yeah, Doctor the Doctor Strange movie. While I loved it, it was not a horror movie. It had lots of horror elements. I wish it had been a horror movie. Yeah, but... Uh, they tried to make New Mutants a horror movie, I think. Eh. At least for half of it. But that movie was so dull, Dead Man and I literally almost slept through the first hour of that movie. Yeah. I need to watch that movie. The only thing no, that woke, no, you don't. The only thing that woke yes, me, yeah. yes, I do. The only same thing, reason you had to watch all of Titans again and then watch the Batman movie. No, I didn't watch all of Titans again. I just listened to the riffs from Dead just to remind myself. Okay, the same reason why you had to watch the Batman movie. Okay, if you feel you need to do it, at least your your time commitment's literally half of mine. So that's yeah, the fair. the only thing that kind of kept me engaged in that movie was the like slurs for Native Americans I had never heard before. Oh yeah, we were just kind of surprised just how racist magic was. Yeah, she was like, she was racist and she was racist and then went the further degree to be creatively racist and I'm like, wait a minute, I've never heard that before. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? I, I need to look these up and I just tried looking up slurs. <laughs> Alright, so what else have you been watching, Birdie? Oh, well, I have one, two, one or two more things I have to finish on Batman then I'll talk about something else. Uh, the only thing I legitimately really liked was Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Because, like, every other version of Catwoman so far has, like, not... She's either a complete psychopath, like the Michelle Pfeiffer version I hate, or she's just kind of there, like, in Dark Knight Rises. And this, she's like, no, gangsters have fucked me up. I don't care about... I care about the people around me, but nothing else, so I'm going to steal to make myself feel better. And so she's attracted to Batman, but she's like, I can't do the thing you're doing because I can't bring myself to care about this cesspit of a city. So that works. And the costume. Yeah, really yeah, really it's well. almost like it's almost like the characters have a dynamic or something. Yeah, it's almost like Batman and Catwoman have a relationship that is different from Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. 
Dick Grayson, age 12. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. This is the last thing, and speaking of Titans jokes, dead. Um, I, I feel I'll have to explain the joke to Caveman if he cares, but this is for you, dead. Um, the, so you've seen the trailer scene where Batman beats up people with Joker makeup? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, would Batman beat up all those Joker gang members in the trade station? Tim, Tim Drake, Drake was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I the second we the second we started making that joke, just kept. I had, to make, I had to make sure I wasn't crazy. It was the same actor. No, he yeah, was it's there. the same guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, it would be hilarious if we just start going through like a bunch of different movies. Just keep finding him as like an extra in superhero movies. Yeah, it's like this motherfucker is everywhere. He is Pandora. So, so Cave, did I tell you about Tim Drake and Titans? Uh, probably. So I mean, there have been times where I felt like I watched the whole series with you guys. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I mean, the only point I was like, the one joke that kept Dead and I sane in season three was that their idea of how to sell Tim Drake is smart is that they just had him know every significant moment in the lives of every member of Titans he'd never met. Yeah, largely because he was there when important things happened. Like, like, like the reason, like the way that Tim Drake, so for, for anyone who doesn't know, Tim Drake, his big claim to fame within the Bat family is that he, independent of everyone else, figured out Bruce Wayne was Batman entirely by himself. And he's the only person like in the Bat family to have ever done that. Yeah. Uh, like everyone when, else had to have the name given to them. Yeah. When, when, we when they're, when, yeah, when they're describing Batman. the Robins with one word descriptors, fucking Tim Drake is the detective. Mm-hmm. In Titans, Tim Drake figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman by figuring out that Dick Grayson was Nightwing by remembering how Dick Grayson moved when he was an acrobat because Tim Drake was there the night Dick Grayson's parents died. Lissai. And then Tim Drake just kept being there. Just a thing happened, and Tim Drake was like, "Oh yeah, I was there for that." Some of those were us joking. Some of them actually happened. I was in attendance. Yeah, well, he actually actively said, "Well, that guy walks like a Robin. I've I've been there when Robins walked, so I would know." Yeah, yeah. He also he also tracked down like the Scarecrow. Pourquoi? <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's it's fucking it's it's dumb writing. It's idiots trying to write for smart people. Yeah, and speaking of idiots, like, Dead, after you made me go back and figure out who Greg Walker is, even learning it, I still don't know who Greg Walker is. He's a complete blank slate of a person. The other three creators of Titans, I at least get where they're coming from. This guy, he's he makes television. That's yeah. all I can figure out. He is a television-producing entity? That's about it. He is a machine that you feed money into, and then he poops out a script that is I exist technically a script. I make television. Yeah. That yeah. is my purpose. The only connection I could find to him and any other producers is he worked with Akiva Goldsman on Star Trek Picard, which which sucks. But <laughs> yep. God, it's... Anyway. I watched one episode. That was all I could go. That's that was the max I could take. I was like, mm, no. Yeah, I I have never watched Picard. I have just seen two grown men get very angry at it. It's not good. 
Yeah, it it looks. And I am a like before anybody says it, I am a Star Trek fan. No, we assume. I have watched almost. Every, I'm talking about the one person who might decide to comment that I'm a little bitch. Uh, oh, okay. Like I have watched every Star Trek thing and enjoyed most of Star Trek. Oh, like I am a Star Trek fan. Now, yeah, Picard sucks, and my favorite Star Trek thing is Galaxy Quest. <laughs> that or the Orville. It is one of the best. Galaxy yeah, the Quest Orville's then Orville. Too. It's close, but Galaxy Quest is first. All right. Okay. I like well, the Orville because it's more like sci-fi and less comedy. Yeah, fair. Uh, an episode I'll be talking about in a second, later in the show, is almost a straight-up comedy. But we'll get All right, to that. Well, let me get one thing that I have nothing to say out of the way first. I just want to laugh at it failing twice. Uh, Morbius sucks. Did you did you fucking watch Morbius? Uh, didn't pay for it, but yes. Why? Why? <laughs> to see how bad it was, and it wasn't bad enough. That was my biggest takeaway. It wasn't bad enough. Yeah, you could have waited. I didn't pay for it. <laughs> uh, I. We're never what, watching we it. I don't want us to now? watch it. It's not interesting enough to watch. Yeah, no, I'm. I, already... ne- I am never going to say, "Hey, yeah, guys, we're doing Morbius." If you want us to fucking watch Morbius, fucking pay us money. No. no. <laughs> Yeah, the only yeah, thing that's, money. I'll, I'll the, watch it for money. The only thing that's interesting going, enough about it is how dumb Sony is that they let it fail twice. That's the I hilarious thing. I was going to watch Morbius. <laughs> and then I watched a like a 30-minute video on it. And I was like, that's all about that's all I ever need to know about Morbius. Like thank I you mean, for I was saving me my time. I was at the impression the only thing you need to know about Morbius is that apparently Matt Smith actor who played the 11th Doctor, I yeah. believe, um, has a Nicolas Cage setting. That's the, only, that's the only thing I got out of that movie, other than the fact that Sony's executives are apparently as dumb as we all thought because they looked at the memes of It's Morbin Time and thought I'm people really liked... A movie on there. They, they, they thought um, Morbius was really successful, even though it made no money the first time at the box office, so they brought it back and it failed again. It failed spectacularly. Was, yeah, at which point the internet was like, come on, Sony, do it a third time. The third time's the charm. Yeah, that's... That's the only interesting thing about this movie. That's why I wanted to it's it fantastic with. seeing, like, the... Pub- it, it has been fantastic seeing the, like, public-corporate interaction for fucking Morbius of just... They released the movie. Everyone's like... Yo, this movie's such dog shit. It would be very funny if we said, yo, this th- it would be very funny if you push this thing as like the next great big movie. Oh, yeah, it's Morbin time. Let's get all these fucking anime characters doing its Morbin time jokes. And then Jared Leto posts a video of like, hey, it's like, hey, what are you looking at? Oh, nothing. Because he's trying to hide a script for Morbius 2, it's Morbin time. At which point the entire internet turns on him. But by that point, Sony had decided, yeah, we're going to release it in theaters again. And then it made like, thousands of dollars uh, it made eighty thousand dollars yeah which is still more than fucking buzz lightyear <laughs> well yeah because buzz lightyear was so uninteresting cave it didn't even develop a cult internet meme so it had nothing so like i have to get this out because i have been very upset about this when i was a kid there was a TV show called Buzz Lightyear of Star- at Star Command, or of Star Command, something like that. Yes. And I had been waiting for it to be released on Disney+. Plus Because I was like, I loved this show. It was fun. When is it coming? 
to a platform I own. And I did some research, and apparently Pixar hates it. Or specifically the people in charge of Pixar hate it. And I'm like, what? I'm probably never going to get my show because you guys are bitches. Yep. <laughs> well, it is. So it, 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 it brings me so much joy that the new Buzz Lightyear movie is an utter failure. <laughs> <laughs> brings me so much joy. Oh, yeah. I. The entire. Like, I do not understand what anyone at Disney or Pixar was thinking with this movie. Because, like, the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command show and, like, direct-to-video movie or whatever, those make sense for the story of the guy who looks like the character we like. Mm-hmm. I do not get who in their fucking right mind was like, oh, hey, so you know that guy in the... So you know that fucking toy from the movie that everyone loves that we made? What if... We do a movie about a guy that looks like that guy. I need two hundred million dollars. They're like, and yeah, to make sure. sure. And to make sure everyone's in canon agreement with that, let's never let anyone mention that we already did a TV show with this character ever again. Wait, we did a TV show with this character? Yeah, don't you? No, no, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> if you say it again, we feed you to the mouse. Uh-huh. It's not canon, bitch. <laughs> Just goofy comes in with a spear. Well, Gorsh, it's time to get in the pit. <laughs> now, Goofy comes in with one of his uh, Kingdom Hearts shields. <laughs> Don't make me use this, motherfucker. Yeah. Don't make me use this, mother yucker. I've held... I felt like I had to bring that up because... Morbius made more money. Okay, <laughs> Morbius was more successful <laughs> than the movie that abandoned. I, I mean, more. Pe- I will say this: more people cared about Morbius. Uh, less people cared about Morbius sucking than Lightyear sucking because people actually liked Buzz Lightyear Star Command. No one cared about Morbius. Yeah, so and the Sony's Sony's answer to that is: let's make an even more obscure character movie with some. I keep saying El Toro Fuerte, but I know that's not the character's name, but uh, I, I don't even remember the character's name. I just keep saying El Toro. I know he's a masked Mexican wrestler played by a Hispanic guy. That's all I know. Oh, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about it on the D&D uh, like channel a while back. Just... Just like you know, James posted like the thing of like, hey, they're making a video movie about this guy, and then just all of us just posting like things, just like, <laughs> hey, I love that character and his ability to checks Wikipedia, do something. And I just stick with the Guardians joke. Who? <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I guess just for reference, with uh, like in terms of, like total box office for Morbius and Lightyear, Morbius made less money, but it, it technically made more because it had a lower budget. Well, that was certainly true, given its incredibly bad speaking effects. Yeah, uh, Morbius had an estimated budget of $75 to $83 million and made back $163.9 million. Mm-hmm. And then Lightyear, 200 mil budget, total box office of 206. Yep. Makes me happy. So in terms of sheer numbers, technically, Lightyear made more. But in terms of actual, like, math, 
Morbius is infinitely more successful. Yeah, and my hope, which will never come to pass, is that this will make them realize maybe we should just, you know, give them the show they want instead of re-releasing the instead of releasing a crappy movie to try and erase it from history. Disney learning from their mistakes? Pshaw. Exactly. It took them how many years to stop releasing Song of the South? Uh, 30. <laughs> I know this because I saw the one copy that's out in the wild in a museum in Atlanta a few weeks back. Oh, nice. Good God. Fucking Disney. Anyway. El Muerto, um, that's that fucker's name. Oh, okay. No wonder I keep saying El Toro Fuerte. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that you're playing El Toro Fuerte. <laughs> or that El Toro Fuerte is a better character. <laughs> oh, we don't know that. Like, we oh, yes, haven't we... read this. Have you read this character? Yes. Yeah. You've read his Listen, comics. He's in one issue. Uh, two. Okay, sorry. I have you read his comics? Not the he comics he one. showed up in. He doesn't have one. He doesn't one. have one. He doesn't have his own... Co- okay, then, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, he has, only appeared, he has only appeared as a side character in Spider-Man. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, trust I, me. I if, we, if El Muerto had been in more comics, then we would have more opinions about him. Because trust I don't know me, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. The fucking second James posted, "Hey, El Muerto's getting a movie with Bad Bunny," I'm just like, "Okay, I know who one of those people is, and it's not El Muerto." Who the fuck is Bad Bunny? He is a rapper who has been uh, collaborating with the WWE recently. Ah, and well, doing not awfully days. at it. Like he's actually been pretty all right. He did a halfway decent frog splash. Also someone uh, working with the WWE who is surprisingly good at it. Logan Paul. Can we not talk about him? No, dude, it, is, it was a fucking, it was, it was genuinely kind of amazing. <laughs> I don't care. I hate him as a person. I know. But just seeing him walk out to the ring with a necklace holding a like graded Pokemon card. And then doing Eddie Guerrero moves. Because like, Eddie Guerrero is one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time. And so having someone as hated, like genuinely hated as Logan Paul come out, flex about his very expensive Pokemon card, and then do the three amigos in a frog splash to Rey Mysterio. It was genius levels of heat. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I think he signed a contract, but I don't watch WWE anymore, so I'll never see it. Anyway, okay. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I care enough about to talk about in detail before I cede it to someone else, except for that thing that I have to talk about with Dead that Caitlin will hate us talking about. We can just talk about it now and then and pass it over to me and then do Cave at the end. Yeah, because I've got uh, two other things. Because like I don't have much to say about Vox Machina. Like it's well animated, but I don't like it. It's it's just a bad D and D campaign. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's whatever. Okay. So let's let's get the thing. Caveman hates them. Hates out of the way. The boys. Yes. I have yet to finish it, but I don't really care. Okay. Like that's the thing. Going into season three, I was like, "Oh, hey, they're doing better about the things we complained about in season two. And that stuff is happening. Yeah. And then I get to that. I get to the episode after Hero Gasm, and I'm like, I don't care if I finish this or not. Yeah, and based on the way the season ends, I'm not sure you'd care. Because like I was commenting repeatedly throughout the season, even with the stuff I liked, that, okay, we kind of need to wrap this up because it feels like we're treading water already. Yeah, uh, I will say, just for reference to people at home, Birdie and I are both extensively familiar with the comics. And hate them. I don't hate. I, I hate them. I, 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 it's a never-ending shit post by a guy who hates superheroes. That is 100% fair. Like, I have enjoyed moments of the comics. I in, I have enjoyed some characters in the comics. I have... I Going back and reading them, they do not hold up. Like, I, I had forgotten the part where, in the comics, where their evil Superman was so dumb that he went evil by accident. And the reason why is basically the, It's me, Austin! <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I will say that uh, that like at least in comparing the two, the show has infinitely better tone and character. Yeah, although, and I wanted to ask your opinion on this because this started to bug me in this season. I don't like that. It's it felt like in earlier seasons they were targeting everyone with their satire, whereas this season it's basically just been nothing but MAGA jokes. Yeah, that's it. That's entirely it. It's MAGA and men's rights. And yeah, that's easy to make fun of, but it earlier seasons were kind of playing into like the central theme of, well, the corporations play both sides, not just the quote unquote bad side. So yeah, it, it was it was looking at criticism there. It was looking at kind of everything. It was looking at like it was looking at like corporate and celebrity culture and how that doesn't really work with you if you're a good person. And then this season is just, it's just, Hey, women, am I right? You remember when I turned, uh, when like you guys turned like a group of racists that I had in one of my D and D worlds into the red hats. <laughs> Cause I was like, I was telling you guys about it and you were I was like, Oh, like MAGA. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's an apt description. <laughs> and like, we're gonna call them the red hats. And I was like, well, they wear red hats now. Okay. I mean, I have the opinion that yeah, you can make fun of Trump and the magas. Yeah, it's easy. You need other but, jokes though. Yeah, I mean, literally, the last joke of the season is that thing Trump threatened to do during his campaign, literally happening. And I guess the one thing I will say about this season that made me mad just for dumb personal reasons is that a lot of people have pointed out that the most hated character on the show isn't even one of the soups. It's freaking Todd. <laughs> Who is Todd? Uh, Todd is married to uh, Mother's Milk's ex-wife. Yeah, so apparently the black woman hated just how black power her husband was. 
So she married a conservative MAGA white dude. Yeah. And that, and somehow out of the conflict that comes from mother's milk saying, Hey, don't bring my daughter to Trump rallies. Uh, and he punches him for doing that. Somehow he mother's milk looks like the bad guy, not Todd, which I know that's, I know that's the satire, but it's not satire. Okay. Like as, as a writer, that's not satire. That's lazy assholes trying to make a bad point. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of this season suffers from that of like, making a lazy point like the fact that um soldier boy was darth vader all along um that joke doesn't really add anything except just more toxic masculinity which this show had enough of already yeah that, like that, was, the, that was kind of the entire theme of this season yeah like it like it was like there was like the there's like the trump shit going on with homelander there was butcher's entire storyline of like him turning into his like shitty abusive dad or like realizing he always was a shitty abusive dad there was huey who things were going fine for him he was the best out of every one of these motherfuckers he was he had a decent job he had a decent relationship he had a good relationship with his boss it was fine but then the second things go wrong he's like oh god butcher your way is right i'm so sorry give me drugs and it's just and it's just like come on fuck man yeah, and that was part of the problem a lot of people point out. It felt like Huey, they made him Huey regress so they could redo the same story with him again. Because one of the few things I like about this version of the boys is that there was this like healthy, uh, positive relationship between him and Annie. Where yeah. they had worked through all of their shit, and then they contrived more shit for them to have to screw up their relationship just to get them back to where they were at the start of the season again. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I come out of this season feeling so bad for three characters in particular, uh, Annie, MM, and honestly, Frenchie. Yeah, well, because MM and Frenchie, they have no plots left. Well, no, other like, than- no, that's thing. MM has a plot. It's just a lot of it is just him. Uh, just so much of his plot is him being told he can't do his plot by Butcher. Well, I mean, that's the problem with the whole show is that anyone who's not Huey, Homelander, or or butcher is sidelined constantly except for maybe the deep because the deep there's no fucking riding high keeps being a character just because someone really liked the idea of making a guy fucking octopus yeah consensually yeah they were partners before so yeah the deep at least learned consent (laughs) But yeah, it's so much, so much of it, season three. Like the beginning of season three, I think was solid, and then it's just kind of gotten more frustrating as we've gotten toward the end of it. It's gotten more frustrating because it feels like it's not progressing at this point. Yeah, it's just like, it's we we just keep going back to that same, like literally the same Fox News set with the same anchor. And I'm just like, motherfucker, something new. And somehow the fact that like three members of 
of the seven are dead, one left, which that was the only happy thing I had from uh, the boys' finale, is that Maeve got to exit the show gracefully. Like, she had a heroic moment, she no longer a soup, and she left with her hot lesbian girlfriend. Good so for good her. good for her. Yeah, she's out. Yeah. Let her not I, come back. I saw, like, for whatever reason, my, like, the site's Twitter keeps getting updates from, like, the Vought International, like, you know, show Twitter. Oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm sick of that shit, too. <laughs> and I just I just popped on there to just, like, post some, like, post one of the new things. Like, I saw the thing. It's like, it's like, we are, it's like, Vought International is sad to report today that Maeve tragically passed away fighting the radicalized soldier boy. Boy, we take pride, pride in quotes, of the woman who truly... Of the woman who like truly like fucking some kind of shit just just basically just like corporate speech of just like hey, lesbians are good. Yeah, no. If, if the if the episode had come out a, a week or two earlier, uh, that that statement would have been in rainbow colors. Absolutely. So just it's, to stick with the joke everyone makes every year of June first, pride colors. May thirty first, normal colors. Yep. Just the, this the second if that if this had episode had aired a little bit earlier. The second it hit, hit turned over to June, is the thought look would just be in, would just be like a rainbow overlay. <sighs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. So I don't care about the fact that um, Homelander's with his son again. That that's gonna. I know how that's gonna end, so I don't care. I just I and I every TV series and Caveman, you're probably. Some similarly sick of this with narrative driven stories. If if things change in the story, you can't have the way things are go back to how they were at the start every new season. And oh, it feels absolutely. Like, it's lazy writing. Lazy. Yeah, dude, I want it, it, I want an excuse to just be able to redo the same plot, maybe slightly shift it up a little bit. No, it's horrible writing, and so much of TV does it. And I call it sitcoming. Where, yeah. at the end of the episode, everything's back the way it was, so that we can do the same story over and over again. And that's why sitcoms work, right? <laughs> yeah, you could jump you can't, in. Oh, I fucking hate sitcoms. But how could you? You could jump in at any episode and fully be immersed in the world and characters. To me, is that Eric Kripke, the showrunner for The Boys, famously wrote five seasons of Supernatural and then said, I'm done, I've told my story. And then the show continued for another 12 years. And he must have taken from that, you know, apparently I walked away too soon. Maybe I should just spin my wheels for another decade, making money one season at a time, as he put it. Has there been, like, a confirmed like confirmation of, like, a if season four is the end or if they are doing a season five yet? Uh, no, they just, there's, they've, they've made no indication that they want to cancel it other than they're doing a college oriented spinoff, which I think is probably going to fucking suck. But, uh, uh, yes, uh, they actually just announced that today, which is the only piece of news we have because I'm, I, I'm not really sure anything else happening. So I'll just say it now. Yeah. Uh, they just announced it today. Uh, the day we are recording, it's called Gen V and it yeah. is quote, an irreverent R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal, competitive soups nope. as they put no. their physical, sexual, no. and moral boundaries to the test. Competing. It is already fucked. An R-rated. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, yeah, no one who watched The Boys would want a PG-13 show, so of course it was going to go R-rated. Absolutely. But it's, 
but it's gonna suck, so I'm not gonna watch it. It's part college show. Make it NC-17 because it's gonna be half porno. It's part college show, part Hunger Games. So with all the heart, satire, and raunch of the boys. So it's Animal House, but Battle Royale. Yeah. Also, starring two lead actors from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, so more things. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who doesn't know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is one of the few watch series that I tried to participate in that was canceled. Yeah, we we just outright canceled. We made it four episodes in and then stopped. Like we were gonna watch the whole thing, didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Also, it's uh, also starring uh, the son of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, dude. Arnold Schwarzenegger has children? Oh, yeah. So many. No, he's, he's been married several times. He's been married yeah, several but times. I never heard, like, yeah, like, he's, it's not like, like, I expect a Will Smith effect whenever a celebrity has children. No, Schwarzenegger has arguably done a good job of keeping his kids out of the spotlight mostly, so good for him on that point. But he's also, generally speaking, been a better father, mostly compared to Will Smith. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's been a better. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> uh, keep my wife's name. I uh, again, I agree with Will Smith slapping the fuck out of a man for that. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I, I agree with him for that. But, like, if one of my friends started insulting my wife, I'd probably go to jail. But no, he has five children. Damn, one of them. He's married to Chris Pratt. No, that's not good. Yeah, we're, I'm going to stop there. All right. So that's all I really... I don't have anything else to say about the boys. Like, I'm... The show needs to end, but I'm afraid it won't. Because Heritage it's too popular. Did not qualify uh, taste. What? Who, who birthed them doesn't mean that they have good taste. Oh, okay. That okay. I was looking up who Chris Pratt was. <laughs> I should have said. I should have. I should have specified. I'm sorry. That's on me. I Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars. Yeah, and also, and also the guy who has the magic hand when it comes to dinosaurs. Yeah. Literally magic, because how else do you explain that? But. Yeah, he can do a floating palm technique to just hypnotize the dinosaurs. Anyway, <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say about the boys? Uh, they can milk an- they can milk one more season, and then beyond that, I've given up. Yeah, they can I- mother's milk one more season. Uh, uh. No, I'm done. Yeah. They haven't even explained in the show why his name is Mother's Milk. No, they haven't. And they don't care to, from what I can tell. Yeah, it's just a joke. <laughs> For reference. I've given my I've been given I've given my opinion on the boys a dozen times, so if you want to hear that, just go listen to one of our old podcasts. Yeah. For reference, he's called Mother's Milk in the comics because he needs to continually drink his mother's breast milk or he'll shrivel away and die. Which I guess want to do that since they've made that Homelanders thing in the show. I guess. Oh, yeah, but so we didn't really really talk about how the show kind of fucks over Frenchie. And 
we completely forgot that there is a significant portion of season three given to A Train. Yeah, A Train being like that. A Train's another character I'm just sick of being stupid and lazy and selfish. He's like, yeah, he, he's a dipshit that- celebrity who's trying who is trying to like you know force his way back into like black culture and be like, yeah, I'm black. Well, trust me, you guys are trying to like rebuild an image since he can't run anymore because if he does, his heart explodes. Yeah, and he they have him act out their version of the Kardashian Pepsi joke. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, he he has a full on. He has a full on. He runs in to stop rioters versus cops, and gives them each like an A train branded soda. And then everyone's like, "Hell yeah, dude!" Yeah, he, I think I think I also talked to you about this bit cave like at some point previously, but he also was like, hey, yeah, I want to do like a documentary series of me going back to Africa. And then I have this video game about the slave trade I want to pitch. But yeah, and then so let me just let me just say this. I'm pretty sure I've said it before, but as a black man. Man, I hate I I just I I, I hate how much of black media is slavery or rapper like that seems to be all we get it's slavery or rapper that's what we get there are other black people (laughs) the thing is this show is making a point about how stupid that is because a significant this show does not have the qualifications to make a point about anything i know but i'm saying that like to your point uh a significant character in season three is A-Train's brother who works as a youth center um, uh, counselor. Uh, and is, Oh, the other role black men are allowed to fit. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it, to your point, like uh, A-Train in his idiocy brings a white supremacist to apologize at a black uh, youth center so who then it, proceeds so to just, kill or break most of them. So just quick thing. Well, yes, probably white supremacist. It wasn't it was never confirmed in the show. It was it was a superhero allegory for cops killing unarmed black people. This dude I guess, but yeah, like this dude Blue Hawk was patrolling an area, patrolling an area, and then saw a suspicious looking person. And then ended up fucking obliterating him. Oh. And then he and then and then everyone and then Bay Train's like, hey, he killed an unarmed black man. Everyone's like like Yes, he is. And here, he's here to apologize to you. And the guy's like, hey, man, sorry you're upset about this. But you get oh, how it is. Oh, the non-apology. Yeah, so, the then non-apology. He, yeah, so then he just basically brute forces Blue Hawk to go, like, apologize at, like, a like a community center. At which point, everyone in the crowd is like, you motherfucker, just stop killing black people. Is that so hard? And then he's like, hey, but how about fuck you, dude? And then just, like, breaks his brother's spine and yucks people into goddamn walls. And then, I guess in the ultimate irony... A-Train kills him, dies of a heart attack, and then survives through a heart transplant, getting the racist's heart. That's not ironic. Blah-da-dee-da-da-dee. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of... I actually don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just kind of sick of it. Like, I didn't even mention Kamiko's musical montage just because I don't care. Yeah, I... It's nothing against the character. Nothing. Against, no, like, I feel bad for her because she's been wasted, just like Frenchie, just like Mother's Milk. It basically anyone who's not on the seven in Vought or um, Huey or Butcher gets wasted. 
So, yeah. I'm- Which sucks because I really fucking love this cast. Yeah. Like, say what you will about the tone of the show and everything else. The cast, for the most part, is like likable and solid. Yeah. It's, it's just they keep being written as just like side characters to the Homelander Butcher Huey fun hour. Yeah. And I really wish they would just make Annie the only outwardly completely good character more of the focus because to counter Dead's point, Cave's point earlier about we need don't need any more superhero stuff, what I don't need any more of is morally gray superhero stuff because that seems to be oh, most fuck of yeah. what we, I'm sick of we're not allowed to have positive characters lead movies anymore yeah like even in the mcu the characters have to be somewhat morally gray or like uh this sucks it's mcu yeah we gotta be fair all the time everyone's got the spider-man curse no one can be happy as we all know superheroes are engines that run on pain god Ugh. Yeah, so let's stop talking about the boys. Yeah, let's stop. A cave, okay. I guess. Well, let me just ask Cave one question about something we both watched, and then I'll st- that'll be it for me. Alrighty. Okay, so Cave, um, what the fuck was Gumby? I don't know. I was going to start with Gumby. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. Okay, so Birdie got the Rift Tracks Gumby. For, for reference, for Gumby of the ninety the nineteen ninety five movie based on the eighties re- reboot of the nineteen fifties to sixties series that came about because Eddie Murphy was funny. Okay, All that I just said is true. <laughs> Do you want me to Gumby, explain that or just stop? <laughs> Gumby was a fucking acid trip. That's what Gumby was. I guess. Like, it was funny as we were getting bored because it was the same level of acid trip for too long. Then it went weirder. Yeah. So, Gumby starts with our main character and his horse flying around a toy shop as clay blocks. Well, yeah, because they were created by uh, a, a godlike moon creature who watched old Gumby cartoons or animations and created his own super-powered versions of Gumby and his cowboy horse partner, Pokey. And then they start traversing through books, partner up with a band of clay men who perform rock music that is capable of making a dog cry pearls, two rich assholes see the dog cry pearls kidnap the dog and find out that the only way to make it cry pearls is to have a live performance of Gumby and the Gumbets I don't remember what their actual name is I don't give a fuck and like have a live performance of them transforming and playing their song ostensibly the Gumby and his band are performing in order to pay off the debts of a group of farmers to the bad guys. Yeah, because there's this joke at the beginning that they have predatory farms. Even though Gumby and the Gumbats realize that, like, the dog 
makes fucking pearls, they don't say, all right, yeah, uh, we should just make the dog cry for a little bit and then apologize. <laughs> they say, we're going to do our concert and put everything we know at risk. Because even though, like, logically speaking, we should be aware of the fact that the dog might get kidnapped because it cries pearls! It's going to be fine. The dog they, the dog gets kidnapped because it cries pearls! And... Like, Gumby gets kidnapped, the rest of the Gumbets get kidnapped, uh, everybody gets kidnapped, and eventually Gumby's girlfriend? Well, you're, you're missing a significant detail, Cave. When they're kidnapped, they're replaced by robot... Oh, I was going to get to that part. Okay. I was going to get to that part. <laughs> Gumby and his... Gumby's girlfriend is, like, like the only one to really notice that something's weird because Gumby and the rest of the Gumbats are replaced by robots. Robots! Whose only weakness is water. They're covered in clay, <laughs> but their only weakness is water. Swing away, Merle. A group of, a group of robots... Only one of which gets used at a time. And these robots are meant to perform for a dog to make it cry. Except the dog doesn't fall for it. Let me repeat this. The dog doesn't fall for it. This movie is a fucking fever dream and I don't want to ever experience it again. Okay, I was just going to ask, did you enjoy it? No. Which is I mean, rare. if it weren't for the jokes, I would be in the same... Like, God bless Riff Tracks, because this is one of those movies that there is endless joke material, but it's just the experience of it, of watching it, is so painfully weird, and when not weird, boring. And yes, a movie where Gumby fights a T-1000 version of himself with a, I'm sorry, not lightsaber, light sword. Because uh, yeah. they, they make that joke at one point. They can't call it a lightsaber. Uh, yeah, honestly, it's a beam sword. Let's go, dude. Well, they can't do that either because uh, then, uh, then something worse than Disney would come after them. Fucking Toei. <laughs> okay, it's a beam scimitar. I don't think that one's been taken yet. They there can we go. go. With that. <laughs> it is an energy blade. Shotgun but, beam scimitar. Like, in spite of the fact that that's the mine. last 10 minutes of the movie are a music video that shows that I don't know what... what oh, power... I, I, I haven't mentioned. When everything is said and done, instead of using the proceeds from the concert, they oh. sell the fucking pearls! <laughs> so, so, wait a minute. So, so... So wait a second. So they they have a dog that cries pearls. They need a buttload of money. They're like, all right, sick. We're going to put in this concert. Big a bunch of money from the concert. Okay, let's sell these pearls. Well, what's funny about that is uh, that yep. they have the pearls and they have the proceeds from the concert plus a record deal. And this is ostensibly a save the rec center storyline. But Gumby's ultimate answer is let's do loans that are less predatory. Yeah, which oh, I actually up. agree with. I agree with uh, doing loans because just buying someone out of their debt is a bad idea. 
because then they can become dependent on you to basically cover certain expenses. By doing less predatory loans that people can actually pay off, it allows them the chance to actually get back on their own two feet instead of being dependent on someone else. So I agree with less predatory loans, personally. I, in my head now, I'm just, I'm just imagining a less good Blues Brothers, where instead of them getting the band back together in order to go put on a concert to raise the money to save the orphanage, they get the band back together to form a legal think tank in order to, to form like an accounting think tank in order to like restructure all of the, all the orphanages loans so they're able to like put out, put it on like a more manageable payment plan. That's it's not, not even that good. Yeah, but it's not, it's not even that, that good. That's not fun. Like just as a... You remember the great joke at the end of Venom where Anne Wang looks at the screen and says, I'm sorry about Venom? Yes. That was not, a, a, that was not, that was not intended as a joke, but go on. <laughs> it was the best line in the whole movie, though. <laughs> yes. It was the best non-Dan line in the movie. There's a moment in the movie. Oh, Dan. Everyone loves Dan. <laughs> Dan's the best. Nobody likes you, Dad. Shut up, Venom. No one likes you. There's a, there's a moment, I don't know if Kay remembers this from Gun, Gumby, where one of the characters just looks at the screen and goes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Mike Nelson from MST3 and Rift is like, well, that's what we've all been thinking. <laughs> okay, so I feel like I should say this. Just I've, I've, been, I've been reading up on this movie. Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I've never seen it. I don't know dick about Gumby. I didn't even know his horse had a name. I so think I, it's Pokey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Pokey. So, so I'm like, okay, let's read up the movie. Gumby colon the movie. Also referred to as his on-screen title, Gumby One. Yeah, they make that joke too. Yeah. <laughs> While nothing else within the Gumby canon has been described as this, is a stop-motion surrealist claymation adventure film. Uh, written and directed by the creator of Gumby, Art, Col- Art Cloakey, who, at time of making this movie, was 74. Or, act- or actually, 72, because the movie apparently finished production in 1992. I can believe that, because it looks and acts like, like the music in it, Cave, you can... Back me up or reject on this. The music feels more like 80s rock than 90s rock, despite the fact that it came out in 95. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, looking and, at and it. Not quality rock in any way. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> yeah, it was apparently a. I disagree on that. Yeah, so the music was done uh, by Jerry Gerber, who had uh, worked on the TV series, and well, someone named Marco D- Marco D'Ambrosio, as well as additional uh, music by Ozzy Allers, who did the who did the songs "Take Me Away," "Ark Park," and "This Way and That." Who then also brought in uh, Craig Ch- uh, Craig Chiquico. I have no, I probably butchered that name, and I apologize. Uh, who is the lead guitarist of Starship? <laughs> What? <laughs> Who by that point was kind of a joke, but <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, dude. Well, and 
It's it's funny uh, you referenced the guy who came up with the song this way and that because that plays over the end credits where they have more claymation weirdness. Tight. And the central chorus of it is he's going this way and that. He's going. So, of course, Riff Tracks was like the last joke of this. Well, of course it has to be. Well, then Gumby needs to uh, see his proctologist then. Yeah. That, <laughs> so the movie had a so the movie had a two point eight million dollar budget, which is high for this kind of movie. Yeah, and I do not know if that is adjusted for inflation or not. Probably not. And it made worldwide fifty seven thousand dollars. I can believe that also because nothing about this movie. How would you market this movie to people, Cave? Apparently, you like Gumby. You like being high. Yeah, so apparently it feels like you're tripping. Apparently, a one of the reasons why it flopped as badly as it did, not the reason that it flopped, the reason that it flopped as badly, is because it had an incredibly limited theatrical rollout. Oh, that's, that that fits with the year '95. Because um, uh, you know what, other uh, much more beloved movie came out in the summer of '95 that no one realized was out. Was uh, it dead? Uh, Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> oh lord but yeah warner brothers decided, thought that would conf- conflict with batman forever so they didn't want to market it but yeah so uh it got a cult following as these movies normally do well this one i can kind of get because... to the point where the tribeca film festival showed a remastered version of this movie in 2007 what that i like, I, I get why you would think it's weird, but other people are like, this is an art piece. Yeah, it's Dadaist. I, you know the best part about this movie? I watched it as a kid. <laughs> Seriously? Did not remember it. <laughs> yes. Uh, there used to be a, a little like video rental DVD store down the street from my house. And my, uh, my aunt, uh, God rest her soul, took me there every week. And we'd rent a cheap movie, and it's how I got into re- really got into horror movies. It's like like that movie store was like the place for me when I was growing up, and I saw Gumby, and my aunt was like, "You're a kid," and rented it, <laughs> and we watched it together. And I did not fucking remember this movie. I was like, "Man, I remember watching that, but I don't remember anything about that piece of crap." <laughs> And then Birdie was like, I bought it. And I was like, okay, let's do this shit. Where are my drinks? I'm not drunk enough. <laughs> yeah, because because the surrealist imagery in the movie creates like this weird subliminal effect where the only people who can remember it are people who are drunk or children. Just would not surprise me if like a week from now you guys don't remember a fucking thing about Gumby. Oh, I do. Just... Just if for nothing else for the joke, let's have a scimitar fight, oh Gumby. So what is a scimitar? Yeah, there is there is a well actually, and this made me mad when I realized it. In a movie this surreal, it should not pay off plot points. Yeah, no, it because at one point early in the movie, for his music video, Gumby goes into the world of Arabian Nights to learn how to do a dervish dance with a scimitar which he then does as part of his music video at the end of the movie. He's like, a movie this weird should not pay off plot points. 
<laughs> this piece of crap is more confident than a lot of modern, more competent than a lot of modern films. Chekhov's gun shouldn't exist in a fucking Salvador Dali painting. Exactly. <laughs> they they fulfill some Chekhov's gun shit. <laughs> yeah. If a surrealist thing is happening, it's it's Chekhov's gun is introduced into the third act, and then you realize like, and then you realize like in hindsight that it actually went off in the first act. <sighs> anyway, but yeah, cave. that's why. Yeah, but that's why my my closing question at the start of Caveman's was, "What the fuck was Gumby?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to rap with Gumby, but we're leading with it apparently. Yeah, fuck it, dude. All right. So beyond Gumby, I have been mainlining manga. I'm mainlining anime, based one hundred percent off of. Whichever random anime my YouTube feed recommends me. <laughs> because I was like, I haven't watched anime in a while. So let's pick a random anime. So I started with Tanya the Evil. Oh. Okay. And I watched most of season one. All right. I do not like what I watched, but I watched it. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, the, the first episode well, no, sucks. Like, I don't like it because I don't like the main character. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's like the only the reason people like is, her. Sorry, I'll let you finish. The show is actually decently written. Like the world is really interesting. The only thing I like about Tanya is how she responds to God, <laughs> which I love that. I love how she responds to God, because that shit is funny. <laughs> like, you cannot be God, therefore you are being X. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, episode one of of, of Tanya is maybe one of the like weakest openings for a show, just because it explains nothing. Yeah, it, it's not the worst for me. Because I've seen an anime that literally put its 11th episode as its first episode and then just played out the rest of the series from the start. Which episode was that? I can't remember. I mean, which show was that? Because I remember you telling me about that as we were watching it. And I was like, uh, that makes so much sense. Divergence Eve. Ah. Yes. Yes. In my head, I was thinking it might have been Boogie Pop Phantom. I mean, that was weirder for different reasons. <laughs> And Dead still hates me for that show. <laughs> yes, I kind of do. <laughs> okay, um, there's my new excuse. Titans is retribution for Boogie Pop Phantom. <laughs> it's just gotten out of um, hand. And you've start and you've decided to torture Nico, who's done nothing to you. <laughs> and yourself. Um, if Nico's friends with Dead, he's done something to Dead. <laughs> you can't be friends with Dead and not have done something to Dead. It's just kind of part and parcel of the job. <laughs> Yeah, it's the monkey's paw. It's like, hey, I. It's like, hey, monkey's paw. I want friends. Okay. They're going to fuck with you at every opportunity. Well, good. Uh, I could use a good fucking. <laughs> Let's go, boys. Uh, but no, um, I hate the main character, but I love. I actually rather like some of the characters around her. Can't remember any of their names because that's how I roll. Yep. Um, but I like girl. Uh, soldier, she's fun. <laughs> oh, are you talking? I'm, I'm assuming you're you're referring to the the assistant who's like, my boss is crazy. <laughs> yeah, she's fun. I like her. <laughs> um, 
I also like the uh, uh, eye patch soldier that she like kills in one oh. episode, but they survive because God was like, "You need to kill this bitch." <laughs> yeah, it's like this right. fucking child I made a mistake. This motherfucker is so goddamn annoying. <laughs> I give her so much, and she's like, "No, you're not God. Fuck, go fuck yourself." <laughs> yeah, I literally force I her that. to pray to activate her magic powers, and she still tells me to go fuck myself. It's great. I love it. Um. Uh, but I, I like that Tanya steals like a sword given to him by his daughter from him. <laughs> like, there's so much I enjoy about this show, if only the main character. Yeah, so I feel like just for those unaware, the saga of Tanya the Evil is based on a light novel series that I think kind of came out around like the massive boom and isekai stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was around the massive explosion of isekai. Yeah, which isekai, those who don't know, is a genre that got incredibly popular in manga and manhwa stuff where a where a person, typically a teenager or a young child, gets killed, typically by a truck. And then ends up It's actually it that is it is actually a thing and it's like there is an isekai about a truck killing people, isn't there? Uh, yes, there's isekai about a truck killing people. There's an isekai. Uh, there's there's a manga about a guy who drives the truck that sends people to isekai worlds. Yeah, so like it's it's a, such a thing that there are jokes about it in jokes about it. We have made jokes about it on this site in non mong non like anime manga material. Like we made the joke in fucking uh, Titans, and it actually ended up paying off. In season one, the first dove gets fucking like a van, like a truck just like bounces off of a van or something and just kills, uh, kills the original dove and the new dove's mom. And then in season three, it turns out doves in the ghost dimension just hanging out, saving people. Which that was a nice, that was a nice little bit of just fucking <laughs> accidentally Chekhov's gunning ourselves. But. Yeah, and so so then so, so the person so gets the person it, gets killed ends up in another world typically that resembles their favorite video game so they are the most so they are the god in that world basically because they understand it very well yada yada blah 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 yeah Tanya um, was one it, of the ones like, that like it's one of the most power fantasy genres of <laughs> like manga and anime that I've ever experienced yes and very few of them <laughs> actually managed to tell something interesting Log Horizon. Mwah. Jeff's kiss. Log Horizon, one of the best. Yeah, uh, I know that. I know that when it was. Uh, no, yeah, not so. I remember when. Nope, it, I remember nope, when it was nope, coming I out. You. I remember when it was coming out that like me and Birdie were somewhat high on Exterminator. Oh yeah, I I, I kind of like that manga. It's fine. It just doesn't seem to really go anywhere. Yeah, no, it it fell into a holding pattern very quickly of just having a main character who, much like many characters, is incredibly boring. Just kind of strolling through life, but we kind of fell into it just because, hey, it's this guy thing, and he's not just a fucking, like, god-tier power man from the jump. He's just a fucking exterminator. Yeah, I actually saw a few. I actually watched a few isekais where it was like God tier power fantasy, and I was like, no. Yeah, I ended up like, back when we did the this anime character manga. is God level, and I'm like, eh. back when I we did the anime and manga podcast. Boring. I 
fell into the role of the isekai guy because I would read like seven of them a week. Yeah, too often. Just because it, I had, I needed something to do. Just my eyes needed to move, and there were things I could move them over there. Yeah, you've just explained the entire uh, light novel industry. Why are there so many isekais? Because people need something to do. Why else would Wano go on for six years? Yeah, people and need something to do because it was actually well written. It's just too long, way too long. Yeah, we didn't need three years worth of flashbacks. Yeah, I love Oda. But I cannot get, I do not understand the people who are sitting there like, Wano's the greatest thing ever! Wano should have been half its length at best. Yeah. Wano was good. And I fucking adore One Piece. Yeah, One Piece is, One Piece is spectacular. Wano is, Wano is the best arc when you get around all of the fucking flashbacks. Because, yeah, they're well written. They're unnecessary. Well, that's They're the thing, Dave. When you love something, you have to smack it for doing the dumb things you don't want it to do. It's It would be like, can you imagine how much better Naruto would be if someone had smacked that writer early on and said, no more Sasuke. No, no more Sasuke. Fuck you. No, no more Sasuke. Bad. Stop it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So so going back, to, going back to Tanya. Tanya is a dude. He is just some fucking random Japanese businessman. Uh, who? Uh, he he is a salary man. Uh, I can't remember if he did the firing or was fired in the I, first episode. I think his job was to like. I, I think his job was to like select people who would be fired in downsizing. Yeah, uh, and he fires a dude, and that dude responds. I, okay, so I, I, tr- I, whenever I see something like this, I say, and this is why you should be kind of nice to people when you're ruining their lives. <laughs> the guy responds by, I'm going to push your ass in front of a train. <laughs> yep. Thro- gets thrown in front of a train uh, as he is and about to be hit stops. by it. As he's about to be hit by it, time stops, and then people in the stopped time start talking to him, and he says, hey, I'm God. And the guy's like, no, you ain't. Acknowledge me, and I will save you. And... Tanya, because I don't remember the fucking guy. Doesn't name. have a name. Tanya says, I don't believe in God, therefore you are not God. I shall dub thee being X. <laughs> and that is the most Yes. <laughs> like I love it. Like I love that reaction moment yeah. in the show. <laughs> just yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. That is how one like should react it. in it's that situation. Just that the character the, the, the central dynamic is nothing between Tanya or the characters she works with. It's between Tanya and a character who might be God, but she refuses to say is. Yeah, but, it's... And the reason I love this ties into two things. One, it ties into I'm so sick of people just accepting a God being saying they are the God. It's like, in every anime, isekai, bullshit, what have you, it's, yes, they are God and have granted me divine right. No, no, you don't know that for sure. You're just accepting the bullshit they're saying. And two, I ran a D&D game where a character identified themselves as God and the party named them. And it just, ooh. I understand <laughs> God. Mad I understand about Steve? God's pain. Yes, I'm still mad about Steve. This <laughs> being could vaporize you. And I. the only reason he didn't was because I wanted to run a fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> ah, strayed. Like, there, there, are, there are so many times where I should just vaporize the fucking party because they're snarky assholes. 
And I'm just like, but if I do, then I don't get to run my story. And if I if I vaporize them and then undo it or let them build new characters, then they're still not gonna like. I mean, Cave, how do you think I feel when you jumped the boss fight and maybe had to skip a huge story just because you were too angry at him? Yeah, no, you understand my pain. <laughs> Doesn't mean he <laughs> won't inflict it on you. <laughs> just like That's the GM's like, curse. We have things we hate that we will then do to every other GM. And I didn't do it on purpose. The guy was a piece of shit. Uh, it's like it's like how you and me just kept attacking the throat of every person that James introduces as a bad guy. Hey, at least we don't monologue. <laughs> every bad guy. I have a 15-minute monologue that I'd like to go over as anyway, I die. We've been talking a lot about D&D. <laughs> but anyway. I think we want to play D&D. So, Tanya, as Japanese business guy, uh, is like, yo. All right. He's like, oh, you're God? Uh, cool. Eat my ass. Being X. Fuck <laughs> off. God sends them to this magical, like, World War II world, and... And gives them, like, um, an insane amount of power to be like, hey, you have been given the blessings of God. You will surely worship me now. And Tony's like, get fucked. Yeah, go fuck yourself, asshole. And then, and then <laughs> just, like, that just keeps happening. Like, people keep inventing new technology that makes Tanya more powerful, but she can only use it by, like, actively praying to God. Yeah, like, at one point, uh, it's like an unstable magical reactor thing, and God's like, I have stabilized it, and you can use it if you say a prayer to me. And Tanya's like, go fuck yourself! Yeah, Tanya full-on is ready to kill herself, but then but then God, like, basically, like, mind-controls her to force her to pray. And then she's like, God damn it, this thing is useful. Yeah. Because... Like the like the larger like that's the larger story. Like the actual direct story is Tanya is a ten year old girl who has risen through the ranks of this country's military to become one of its like highest ranking like field commanders and leads a special unit of like mages. I think was what they call them. Which is basically I have a gun, but I'm also magic. Because instead of having like planes and stuff, they have just people with rifles. And the people all have, and the different countries all have different like ways of flying. Like the the enemy country they're fighting uses like mechanical horses. They just have like skis. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so it's like fucking Eureka Seven. Yeah, and like just just how you gonna fucking shoot someone while doing cutback drop turn or some shit. I enjoyed what I watched. I don't know if I'm gonna be going back to it. Yeah, like like the show largely. Like the success of a show for the success the success of the show for you will largely depend on how much you can stomach Tasha Tanya because Tanya is a massive cunt. Yeah, and I deal with massive cunts all the time, so no, thank you. Hi. Um, <laughs> I like some of them. <laughs> is this massive cunt coming to your wife's birthday, or do I have to stay home? You're not a massive cunt, you're a minor cunt. So long as we don't talk about things that set you off, we're fine. <laughs> just I am joking. Just I, I love textbooks, I guess. I love you guys. Um, so, the next thing that I want to talk about is less, like, less complex, less story-driven, less plot-centric, 
watched Space Dandy. Oh. And I, well, I really, no story, so, yeah. really, like, hated it. <laughs> it's, again, I really don't like our main character, but I love the, I love the world around them. Well, let and me I don't ask. like Space Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Cave, just for your no, sake. Do you know who created that? No, I do not. Uh, specifically, uh, let me get the name out, but it's the guy who made Cowboy Bebop. Uh, hmm. uh, he also made Wolf's... Well, no. his right, The writer who made Cowboy Bebop made Wolf's Reign, so he wasn't involved in that. And uh, Shinichiro Watanabe. Yeah, Shinichiro Watanabe, who also made Samurai Champloo, a series I have no clear feelings on because I don't know what. Oh, to feel Samurai about. Champloo is so good. Uh, I I don't know how to feel about that show. I like some of it a lot, but a lot of it, I'm like, oh my god, what the hell are you doing? We watched it way back in the day when we did like old, old, old versions of shows, and I think my main takeaway from it is. This show looks and plays very well, but I just kind of need a story, and this kind of doesn't have one. So, yeah. space like I don't like Space Dandy because... I, I don't like Dandy because he's like a less charismatic Lupin. <laughs> well, yeah, he's even got... He'll, Lupin wishes he could have that pompadour. Yeah, fuck, I'm looking at the screenshot. He does kind of look very Lupin. Well, he stands like him, And too, he but... acts very Lupin. He is obsessed with three things. Money, sex, and sex. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, aren't the last two just the boobs of the girl in the uh, waitress outfit? Or Yeah, it's money, lefty, and righty. <laughs> and, like, I love the characters around him. There is exactly one storyline that I remember. Uh, two story. I remember two storylines, and just one of them, just because it's kind of what the fuck. Um, three storylines. Okay, I remember a few storylines, but I'm gonna cover three of them. The first one I want to cover is actually one of the last storylines, but it is the best storyline. So Dandy has a robot sidekick, who I think is named QT, but I'm not 100 percent sure. He is. I'm there you go. So I've looked it up. QT goes like to a cafe run by robots or people like, and he falls in love with a robot. And then that robot breaks down and has to go to like a garbage dump planet. And QT goes to that garbage dump planet, finds his girlfriend and like ends up stopping a broken robot uprising. <laughs> and when I say broken, they broke because they like developed feelings. So that's why they were thrown away? So he stopped the plot of Detroit Become Human. Yes. Well, that's good, because that plot sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and it ends with QT drinking a cup of coffee made by his girlfriend for him. And, like, breaking down <laughs> because he's a robot that ingested liquids. And there was more emotion in that episode than in all of Tanya the Evil. <laughs> And that's all I have to say on that point. <coughs> then we get an episode where they find an alien, but they're debating whether or not, because they're hunting, like, unique alien species to get paid. Uh, and they find this alien, and they're like, is it unique? I mean, it looks like this species, but its colorings are wrong. And 
one of the crew, a, a, a weird, like, ferret thing named Meow, um, sticks its hand and gets bitten, and then the crew's all zombies. But they just go about their daily lives. <laughs> it's like, we're zombies, but the only thing that changes is we don't talk. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I remember that episode, and I, I I guess I like that one because of the premise that it's basically, it's like Land of the Dead, but funnier. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. I recommend Which, Space Dandy. Uh, and, like, then, like, I, like, it's all the shit that happens around Dandy that's interesting, in my opinion. It's never Dandy himself. Well, yeah, it's often the case with... Uh... Watanabe series where his his ostensible main character is the least interesting part of the whole thing. Like, I I don't like Spike Spiegel from Bebop from Bebop much. And if I have to like characters, the only one I I hate more than him in that show is Ed. But that's just because Ed is deliberately annoying. I like it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like Carol and Tuesday, but... Sp- Kids on the Slope, Samurai Champloo. The only one where I like the main character is Macross Plus, but even then, he's the biggest cunt in the show, so. And the final episode that I want to talk about is Plant World. So they're off to find some weird alien thingy, like usual, and they, they, like, Dandy goes to this world and finds out that it's hyper-evolved plants. He's the first protein-based life form they've encountered, and they're studying him. And then the scientists are like, we'll help you get the thing. And it's revealed that, like, the plant people are barred from interacting with this space rock because it brought them sentience. It's what made them intelligent. And the scientists are like, our society is fucked. We need a chance to start over. Take this rock. It'll make us regress, but we'll get a second chance to do it better. Oh, that sounds like hell. Like, uh, regressing in sentience. I, that's the thing. It's so, it, it's, the themes explored in this episode are so much more complex than Space Dandy allows. Yeah, that is, that is like I some recommend fucking, like, this Star anime. Trek shit. I, like, I recommend this anime, and it's the only anime that I'm going to be recommending today. <laughs> Because the other anime that I want to talk about is Chainsaw Man. Really? Okay. See, I I don't know if I've just been in like an echo chamber or something. I have heard nothing but people just screaming about how amazing Chainsaw Man is. Chainsaw Man is amazing. But its nihilist themes are something I cannot get behind. Okay. As has been stated many times, nihilism and I do not get along. I mean, I can, I can kind of agree with that. <laughs> is fucking brilliant. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... I get his opinion because, to some extent, people keep telling me uh, Attack on Titan is the greatest anime ever made. And Fuck Attack on Titan. I... I oh, the time feel... travel bullshit at the ending. Just, oh, fuck well, not just that. that. I just, like, the sheer, like, unaddressed fascism in all of it that people are like, well, it's there, but is it a good or a bad thing? That's people don't want to answer that question, including the creator. So I don't, I kind of just disengage, like even ignoring the thing that made me quit reading it initially, but 
I just can't engage with it. So I'm, I understand Cave's problem with like the show as well. Hello? You still there, Bernie? <laughs> it's a good thing we're all recording because then we'll actually be able to hear what Bernie said. I, I yeah, yeah. The, the, oh, you guys didn't hear me? Nope. Yeah, you cut off at, oh, at the tail end of it. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying that to agree with Dead with Cave's point that I can I can appreciate what's made well about Attack on Titan, but not like it. And so I assume it's the same mindset behind why Cave can't like Chainsaw Man. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I watched a fair amount of Chainsaw Man and and then read it, and that's how good it is. I cannot stand nihilism. If you genuinely believe there is no point in existing, leave me alone. <laughs> Just go away. Like, there, human nature is inherently good. Go fuck yourself. The universe is geared towards good people proceeding. Otherwise, why the fuck would humanity be geared to raise our offspring? It's just... Like, uh, uh, I cannot stand nihilism. Uh, and, like, I fucking went ahead and read Chainsaw Man. That's how good it is. Like, the characters. I fucking love Chainsaw Dude. I like Blood Devil. I like old man teacher son. <laughs> like, I will be talking a little bit about the manga because at this point my brain just, I cannot separate the two. Um, I hate, hate, like, the redheaded boss, but for reasons that I can't get into because I'm pretty sure that that's manga only. Um... I I really, really like... I love the fights. The fights are so well done. Um, and I like the unique powers that we get. I find it hilarious. Like, uh, Katana, Katana Devil is my favorite bad guy devil. <laughs> because his hat turns into a sword. And that's hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, I also really like the darker themes explored i just wish that some of the characters were savable i like the power system in the world where devils gain power based on how much they're feared I j there's so much i like about this show but it's staunch insistence on and it doesn't fucking matter just really hurts because I want the good guys to win in the end. And I don't understand this somewhat, in my opinion, recent obsession with there are no good guys. Everyone's a bad guy. And fuck you if you care. My... Because especially with how popular Rick and Morty became and just the excessive nihilistic themes from episode two. And the fact that people told me I would enjoy it. <laughs> like, so, I got so many fucking recommendations for Rick and Morty. It's like, oh, you're gonna love it. You like sci-fi. Yes, I like sci-fi. I like sci-fi because it gives us an idealized future. Yeah, Rick and Morty isn't sci-fi. Rick and Morty is... Rick and Morty is poop jokes and nihilism 
in the clothing of a sci-fi show. Rick and Morty is basically the boys, but with sci-fi tropes. Yeah, like, like the people who enjoy Rick and Morty, I don't think they're in it for the nihilism. I think they're just in it for memes. Well, and like, I well, want to there are some people who, like, who the worst part that... is I'm sitting here wanting to recommend Chainsaw Man. Because it's really good. Anime or manga. I enjoyed both. Yeah. And so, hey, interesting thing kind of here. I can't because of how dark it gets. So interesting thing kind of here. So I've tried to read Chainsaw Man a bunch. I've tried reading it a couple times. And I get like 30 chapters in and cannot bring myself to care. I don't give a fuck about a single character in that story. Well, we're going to have to be, we're going to have to. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and go like, hey, this I, is the reason I, why I, you're I, wrong. I absolutely adore like this kid who ha- like I've played so many come from nothing characters and this kid makes them look like they lived in luxury. <laughs> yeah, he's fucked. And I love that. And I actually kind of like how easily manipulable manipulable he is. It's like I'll feed you something other than moldy bread and garbage. Yeah, basically the second you promise <laughs> him mom. Yeah, the second you promise the main character anything Anything. Any comfort. Any comfort. Yeah, you offer to give him a newspaper to use as a blanket. He will follow you to the end of the earth. Yeah. And I I adore it. I, I, I like the way he reacts because he's so hopeful about so many things. I... Well, you see the... Go ahead, Bertie. Okay. I was going to mention this sooner, but uh, one of the greatest manga ever made i've never made will finish the anime just because they stopped releasing it in the states has a similar moment where you have a good person fucked over in a nihilistic setting but the good person's mindset wins out that's usually the closest i'm willing to get to nihilism from the sounds of it chainsaw man wants you to identify with the nihilist mindset not a hopeful mindset whereas like from everything i've experienced with chainsaw man I'm pretty sure that the end theme is going to be, and fuck it, the world doesn't matter. But, yeah. but I, I have it, hope. Yeah, which uh, I'm hoping it goes the other way because, again, well, this might just be because Naoki Urasawa is a genius, but uh, Monster works because the main character doesn't want to believe that his decision to save a child who was shot in the head was the wrong choice. Yes, Monster despite- is fucking spectacular. Despite I never finished fact. Monster, but what I watched of it, well, Chef's Kiss. <laughs> fucking Naoki or I wish I could own the rest of it, but they stopped fucking releasing it. I literally own two thirds of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Monster's so fucking good. I, I need to go back and do like a Naoki Urasawa. We need to do, fuck. We need to do a Naoki Urasawa thing on the goddamn comics podcast. Yeah, if you can sell Nico on it, I just need to finish my collection on. I've, I've never finished my collection on any of the series of his. I start collecting. I have some of 20th Century Boys and some of Monster. Same. Do we want to do a Let's Watch of one of the animes that might have actually gotten fully released? None of them have. Well, Monster did, but you can't find it anymore. Maybe Dead can. Oh. I don't know if I can. Like any like, or, or have any of them been fully released on like Crunchyroll or something? No. Fuck. <laughs> I think it's been released on Crunchyroll. Period. 
Kurosawa's stuff is almost impossible. Like, I have to find 20-year-old DVDs of Master Keaton to show you, Cave, just because it's a show about an art, a art museum detective. Cool. Yeah, Urasawa's stuff is, he's one of my favorite mangaka of all time. Just the man is, the man does a lot of, like, recurring themes of, like, you know, cult and stuff, but he, he does it so fucking well. I still need to finish Billy Bat. I need to finish Pluto. Pluto's fucking slaps. <laughs> ah, but enough yeah. about good stuff. Chainsaw Man, which is good. I if am you're actually, okay with the themes. I am actually curious, Cave, how you would feel about this uh, author's f- previous work, Fire Punch. I've heard it's very good. I haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, because like, because fi- like Fire Punch, it's similar in terms of a nihilistic world, but our main character, despite being the most fucking like slap dick, I'm a I, like no- nothing matters. I'm constantly on fire. Fuck everything. Is still like a from what from what I read at least, he's still like a good person. Because he, because like so the whole thing with Fire Punch is, it's in a world where there are people who have powers. They are they're known as the blessed. And some people have powers. Uh, one person, known as the Ice Queen, known as the Ice Witch, turned the world into like a fucking permanent ice ice age. And so, you know, Fun. food and resources stuff are all not great. There's a dude named Agni who has the blessing of regeneration. So what he does is in his village, he has his sister chop off his arm with an axe multiple times, regrows new arms, and then takes that and gives it to the villagers so they have something to eat. Damn. Yeah, that he gets set on fire by a blessed whose fire never goes out until it, until like the thing that is burning completely distort like fades away and dissolves. But because he's constantly regenerating as fast as he's burning, he's just always on fire. That's horrible. I love it. But he has but because of that, whenever he punches somebody, they get set on fire. <laughs> until they until they die. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. I love it. Yeah, and so it it's like I, I I didn't actually finish Fire Punch, but it is a similar it, it has some similar themes in that way of like like you know the nihilism and like every, like everything being shitty and stuff. But at the core of it is a guy who I believe wants to do good. It's just he's always on fire. <laughs> <coughs> but yeah, anything else, Cave? Well, I just wanted it's like. I want to talk a little bit more on Chainsaw Devil because you Chainsaw Man. It's a power. Yes, Chainsaw Man. It's a power system that really works because I can't foresee it getting boring. Like with a lot of power systems, they become very predictable. Uh, Goku and Key. It's like all right. In the end, it just becomes who throws the biggest key blasts. There's no room for cleverness or anything like that. Um, Nen is one of the really good ones because it has infinite permutations but hockey in One Piece that's it was like alright who has the best hockey they win the fight <laughs> um, I'm really I'm really hoping that in the last arc we get some really good devil fruit shit because yeah, I mean, like we, we've got new devil fruit powers we kind of have to given what, given what happened in Wano eh <laughs> um like I'm hoping we've hit the limit of hockey, and then it's it's back to devil fruit bullshit. Um, and like 
uh, give me, let me think of another example. Um, fucking, actually, FMA. The power system in FMA is very restrictive, but, like, that show is not about the power system, whereas a lot of Shonen is. Yeah, the but, power like, system is kind of just there to, to facilitate the story. Exactly. Whereas Chainsaw Man feels more like, ooh, look at the power system kind of deal. Um, and the power system is, allows for infinite creativity because you can have something that's really weak, but if you're smart about it and you can actually make people afraid of it, then it can get re it can become fairly powerful. Like, not a lot of people are afraid of chainsaws, <laughs> but the way he applies it, uh, at one point he's fighting a devil who's like infinite, and like, but he figures out if I feed off of devil blood, then I can heal and just regain energy, so I can perpetually feed off of devil energy. Because you're perpetually regenerating, and I can't kill you. So I can just make your existence complete and utter misery <laughs> by perpetually feeding off of your blood and just chainsawing into you perpetually. I'm going to set and you on fire forever. He exactly. He creates a perpetual energy death machine. <laughs> and it, like, it ends with the monster saying, please just kill me. Oh, God, I give up. You win! And I loved it! <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I guess I'm going to go back on what I said, and if you can suffer the nihilism, watch or read Chainsaw Man. It's, 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 it's weird. I don't want to recommend it, but I kind of feel like I have to after all I've complimented about it. Yeah, I can. And, like, the big thing is, if you can enjoy the characters, because if you can't enjoy the characters, then there's no fucking point. Like, I got into this for the fights and wound up falling in love with Blood Devil and Chainsaw Devil. Like. And like Cave shows it, all of his love, he can't remember their names. <laughs> of course not, Ted. I mean, I don't know your real name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, legit, people, Cave, so many people think that's your actual name because I never use your birth name. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have had teachers who didn't know what my real name was until I handed them an assignment. <laughs> Just imagining a teacher. It's like, who the fuck is Kevin? <laughs> that's me. No, you're not. Oh, that's not. I am such a bad teacher. <laughs> Just had a teacher ask us to give uh like to give our preferred names and like i was in class with a friend of mine who like i'm not gonna say their name but their birth name is a bit odd <laughs> and like i was like i'm gonna go after them and like they were like my name's blah you can call me blah and i responded with my name's caveman you can call me caveman and the teacher stopped and she was like, stop it. I was like, do you know my real name? And she was like, no. I was like, exactly. My name's Kate. <laughs> I got a one in like, 24 chance, motherfucker. Can I get your real name so I can put it down next to the thing? And I was like, I'm only going to say it to you because I want to see if anybody eventually figures it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I put my real name on assignments. Yeah. <laughs> but and like half the class started to wonder if I'd gotten my name legally changed to Caveman. <laughs> And it's just and just for reference, everyone, Kevin, Cave's real name is not Kevin. 
It's just a name I made up. Uh, but that's all I've been watching that I want to talk about. Um, I did watch a few other anime, but most of them were, <laughs> I've got all the god power. Uh, there was one that I watched that I started watching that I haven't finished yet. That's like, <laughs> god power harem, but it's actually like handling itself somewhat intelligently. It's not just, and I blow away every enemy. It's, and I'm improving society and making the world a better place overall uh i'm not just using my uber powers to destroy everything i'm actually you know thinking so i got but i'm not far enough in it to talk about it Alrighty. anything non-anime to talk about nope Alrighty, sick. <laughs> i already talked about gumby <laughs> Alrighty, sick so my stuff uh movie wise i've watched a movie and i have never been so pissed off by a six out of ten in my life so ghostbusters afterlife oh Oh, no you do that to yourself i skipped that entirely you watched batman you watched the batman motherfucker anyone i'm not saying i don't make bum decisions too it's just nothing about like particularly after 2016 where jimmy dragged me to that in theaters I didn't see any reason to watch any ghostbusters movie ever again you remember when he brought us to ninja assassin (laughs) <laughs> well yeah that, that and, was and we like like he was like we're gonna go watch ninja assassin and all of us were like this movie's gonna suck and he was like no it's gonna be good guys and by the end he was like yeah it sucked well then he followed it up cave by dragging us to the thing prequel for his birthday a couple years later yeah <laughs> but i wanted to see that you could just watch the thing I wanted to see the prequel to see if there was any hope of actually continuing the thing story, which there wasn't. Why would the prequel show a continuation? After after the wife goes to bed tonight, do you want to watch the thing, Birdie? No. Okay. Which which thing? Oh, the original the thing, not the remake. Oh. <laughs> oh, cool. The thing from another world from nineteen from the nineteen fifties. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, uh, the basic thing is. It was on Prime, and I had two hours to kill. Ah, there you go. So I was like, okay, let's turn this on and see what it is. And the movie is fine. Ooh, I've used that tone of voice to say fine before. That's never a good sign. <laughs> it is, as a movie, completely serviceable. Nothing. Buckle up, motherfuckers. It's about to go wrong. Nothing super offensive. Nothing super shitty. Just kind of a movie. Bye. <laughs> the thing I hate the most about it is kind of a thing I hate with a lot of series where they are so dogmatically obsessed with the canon of these things without understanding what the canon is. An example of this would be the way every single Star Wars property after the original trilogy treats carbonite freezing. If you'll remember, in episode five, the reason Han Solo was frozen in carbonite was because they wanted to test to see if it would kill him. Because yep. Vader wanted to take Luke back to the Emperor and was like, hey, let's freeze him in carbonite. But that might kill him. Okay, let's test on this fucker. Yep. I have altered the deal. Pray I do not alter it further. Since that happened, carbonite freezing is just 
the way long-term transport is handled by everyone. Yep. And it's that kind of thing where it's people have an idea of what they remember the thing being, and then they just assign it to the thing without actually looking up what it is. And it's tying that with them having to do all these fucking like plot backflips and contortions to try to get the thing they want to happen tied into the original somehow. So the story with Ghostbusters Afterlife is 30 some years after fucking Ghostbusters happened. Ghostbusters 1. This movie ignores Ghostbusters 2 entirely. Everyone related to the franchise since. Yeah. Uh, ghosts are considered, you know, no one knows what the fuck ghosts are or that they're real. No one knows about the Ghostbusters. No one knows Dick. Egon Spengler fucking abandoned everybody and moved out to a farm in the middle of goddamn nowhere. And the movie starts with him dying. In particular, he dies the same way Dana Barrett got possessed by Zool. Which is he's sitting in a chair and then arms bust out of the chair and drag him off and he gets eaten somewhere. Okay, I have to ask given what I know. Um, the body double, the, is it CG or is it like a really bad body double? Uh, at the beginning, it's an, it's entirely a body double because they only show him in silhouette. Okay. And then when he is a ghost, they make it a CG they make it a CG double. Uh, talk yeah. about literally haunting a man's memory. I'll get to that. All right. But then we cut over to New York. Hey, it's New York, baby, where it's the daughter of Egon Spengler and her two kids. And this is kind of where another issue that I have with pops up. I I do I Has Hollywood never seen a nerd? No. Because I don't Cave, Birdie, you guys and I, I feel, are particularly nerdy. Did any of you in a rented apartment or house rip the wiring out of the wall for an experiment? No. I'm not a scientist. I'm a blacksmith, carpenter, architect. <laughs> if that like, answers your question, no. Like I've the, never, the I've never, done, your, the never done an your, experiment. The answer to your question, Dead, is that Hollywood thinks being nerdy about one thing means you're nerdy about all things. Exactly. And I'll get and I have another thing about that later. Which is funny because from what I've seen of the trailers, the girl who I assume must be Egon Spangler's daughter looks an awful lot like the Stranger Things kids, which are a much better version of nerds. Yeah, because the, they're actually nerds. They 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 have their focuses. Whereas this girl is just nerd. She plays chess with a ghost. Because, you know, if you're smart, you play chess. Despite okay. the fact that fucking idiots can play chess and be good at it. It's like, it doesn't matter what your fucking IQ score is. Anybody can play chess. But, like, there, there's something to be said about learning to make moves before your opponent. But all you have to do is learn the books and memorize them. And you can actually be quite competent at chess. Yeah. Better than I am, because I don't think when I play chess, I just go for it. Because I'm not playing chess to win. 
I'm playing it to amuse the person I'm playing against because they're going to beat me. I don't play chess to win. I play chess to move pieces on a game board because I have the brain of a child. <laughs> My queen moved. <laughs> Basically, yeah. That is actively how I respond every time I, I move mean, my I mean, I enjoy the strategy <laughs> game, but I just don't like chess. I mean, I'm kind of tempted to buy the the Marvel Midnight Suns game that is apparently a tactical card game from the people who make XCOM. So I'm not opposed to a strategy game. It's yeah. Just... Uh, I look forward to you having a 99% chance to succeed at something, then failing every time. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's the that's the love of... that's. That's the cross that all strategy games have to bear. No, that's specifically XCOM. That is specifically XCOM. <laughs> I stopped playing XCOM 2 because I had to redo a mission seven times, and in every single version of it, I missed the critical shot that would have saved my people, even though I had a 95% chance of hitting. Yeah. I... Because the game wanted to kill one of my characters for some goddamn reason. Every six months, I reinstall an XCOM game, and then I go into a mission, miss three 90% to hit shots in a row, and then uninstall it. Because I'm just like, yeah, fuck this game. But, so so the girl you're thinking of, she's Egon's granddaughter. Okay. Yeah, Egon's daughter is just kind of a lady. Just She's just some lady. How does it stand up to the uh, 2016 Ghostbusters? Like, is it better, worse, or about the same? Uh, it's a bit better. So okay. it's less annoying. Yeah, it's less. It's less. It's it's more annoying to me, but less annoying in general. And before anybody gets up in arms, I had no problem with the 2016 Ghostbusters having all, an all female cast. I had a problem with none of them being funny in it. Oh no, that, that was always the yeah. problem I had. That it was not the. It was not. Oh, women. There it were was... so many people who were like, you're ruining Ghostbusters no, by casting women in I, it. I was there, and that's part of the reason I was willing to give that movie a chance. It was just to say, fuck these assholes. But the movie's just not funny. <laughs> yeah, it helps when you have a script. Which that movie, I don't think, did. Yeah, I wish Kristen Wiig had, had learned that lesson before she made Wonder Woman 20, uh, 1984. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, so they get... so. Egon's kid, so Egon's family gets fucking evicted, and they have to go to the fucking shit ass far- shit ass farmhouse, uh, where the son finds Ecto one and ends up getting it running again because the kid's like a mechanic, and then the daughter, you know, finds a bunch of weird shit like the chessboard where she's playing against someone who actually she's playing against a ghost, uh, the ghost, the weird fucking like antenna or like arm thing that used to like scan ghosts and shit in the first movie. I ain't afraid of yeah. no ghosts. Uh, she finds Egon's collection of spores, molds, and funguses. Oh god. I remember you ranting about that. Yes! Because I will get to I was equally annoyed, I will say. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other thing. Like, they are... They are so... obsessed with including every single thing that was mentioned in the original Ghostbusters. But all the shit mentioned in the original Ghostbusters doesn't really matter because it was all jokes. These people are taking jokes that were meant to be funny or just setups for other things and then using them as just, hey, this is the rigid canon. We write this down the fucking, like, series Bible. So the people, the people going forward, hey, if you are into ghosts, you stack books vertically. 
despite the fact that that's not where the books were stacked. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. In the original movie, Venkman derisively gives Egon a fucking Nestle Crunch bar, and he has the wrapper in his uniform pocket 30 years later. <laughs> and I'm just like, you motherfuckers. Why? Why I could... For as much as I don't like the Batman, and I was proven right by watching it, which I shouldn't have done... When I was looking at the trailers, this is what I was. This is what I thought the movie was going to be. It was essentially like, it's not a movie so much as it is like a slideshow of stuff people remember from the previous Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, I. And some people apparently loved that. I don't get that mindset that people are like, I remember this thing. It makes me go happy. So to I... explain that mindset. My version was the best version. That's that's the mindset. I hate to reference South Park, but it's just so much fucking member berries. Yeah. But it's 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 member berries in the most dumb fucking ways where they take things that are throwaways and make them like canonize them and they take things that are canon and then just entirely misrepresent them in the th- in their like in like the later projects. Or just build canon where none needs to exist. It's like, do you want to learn why his name is Han Solo? It's because he was born to parents named Solo and they named him Han. Do you want to know why Albert Wesker wears sunglasses all the time? Because no, he's a dickbag. No, we don't. He's a self-serving narcissist. That's all we need. Japanese people thought the Matrix was really cool. I don't know, man. And like, it's, it, it keeps going from there where a lot of this is going to be me nitpicking about fucking like just dumb shit. Like that's what this is. This is me fucking going full goddamn cinema scenes bullshit, but it frustrates me. Well, might as well just get out a list of things because from the sounds of it, from what I know of the plot, there's nothing to talk about there. So you might as well just list all the things that annoy you when we move on. So the stay puffed marshmallow, man. Oh, I've, is, seen this. I've, I've seen this in the trailers. <laughs> the Staple of Marshmallow Man was a joke. Yeah. They, they were proud of the Staple of Marshmallow Man. It was in so much of the advertisement. Yeah, for those who hadn't seen the original Ghostbusters, again, the final boss of that movie is technically the Staple of Marshmallow Man because fucking ancient god goes to the Gozarian is like, choose the form of your destructor. And then everyone's like, empty your minds. If we don't think of anything, nothing comes to kill us. And then something slips into Ray's fucking head, and it's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. The nicest, friendliest, softest thing he could possibly think of that would never hurt them. So why, then, when Gozer is coming back into a town that is like has barely any connection to the fucking Ghostbusters and anything else. Why would it then cause hundreds of miniature Stay Puffed Marshmallow Men to be born? I don't know. Also, this is the nittiest of nitpicks. This is the most fucking pedantic, shitty bullshit I've ever said. Zool and Vince Clortho, despite being called the Terror Dogs, are not actually dogs. No demons that happen to be 
quadrupedal. That's about it. So why? The closest description I could give would be hellhounds. Yeah. So why, when Vince Clortho shows up, is he eating a bag of dog food? Because these writers are not as good as the writers from the original Ghostbusters. No, they are. Like, this is this is the big thing. They were able to put together a competent script. Whoever was responsible for putting forward this movie said, put in all of the references and jokes that you can. And they were told, yeah, we've got some demon dogs. Oh, what's the joke about demon dogs? Uh, it's eating dog food. That's what happened there. Like, I, I'm actually willing to bet that these writers are actually competent and were just handed bullshit. I mean, I can believe that to some extent because uh, I learned this recently, Did Do you remember, I know you never watched it, but do you remember hearing about the god-awful early 2000s CW Birds of Prey series? I remember hearing about it from you. Okay, just that's fine. Um, I had not As long as you remember it. <laughs> yeah, but it, this fits particularly with what we've hated about DC for a while. Uh, the producers looked at Oracle and said, can you get rid of this character? We don't really want a girl in a wheelchair in our teen-oriented action series. <laughs> so the writers had to fight to keep Oracle in the Birds of Prey show. Oh my god, these fucking people. The team she started. Yeah, birds don't end up in wheelchairs, caveman. What are you thinking? So I imagine that that's similar mindset to what Cave is describing. Yeah, Look, I'm pretty sure this is. movie was made by the son of the director of the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like, doesn't mean to, like. I don't expect any spawn I probably won't have to know anything about my writing. <laughs> and and then we also get like the fucking like we get to the goddamn turning on the proton pack scene. And I I this is one of the things I complained the most about to Cave. Cuz like I talked to him about I talked to him like a couple weeks ago about the movie and just like watching them turn on a proton pack. Why does that mean anything? Because the, the, the proton pack is... Oh! Like, I know what they were thinking. I'm just, as someone who liked the first Ghostbusters movie, like, yeah, I know the sound effect, but... You also know the joke. Yeah. It's like... It's like, hey, these things are completely untested nuclear ex nuclear reactors. Hey, switch me on. The noise comes. They all just like try to move as far away from me from the guy yeah, in the elevator. Like, like what I thought when I think of that sound effect is not the sound effect. It's Egon moving as far away from Venkman as possible. No, it's Egon and Venkman moving as far away from Ray as possible. And Ray's just like, what, what, what are you guys doing? What? What's wrong? Why are you guys worrying? Yeah, in this one though. It's like Michael Bay shooting a car. <laughs> Just these like slow sweeping shots that like crossfade into each other, like moving from different angles. And it's like, oh, yeah, look at this fucking proton pack. Don't you yeah, love like, this proton yeah, pack? Like, okay, if you've ever watched a Bad Boys movie or one of the Transformers films where every. I haven't like because I have disdain for Michael Bay. Okay. But like. Okay, I thought you were going to say you have taste, which we both know is a lie. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that. That's a lie. Like, I'm not going to lie that badly on the podcast, man. Come on. 
But almost every Michael Bay movie has a scene that looks like it wants to make love to a car, is what Dan's describing. Yeah, it's it's just it's just like these slow, like glory shots. Just oh hey, here's every single piece of the proton pack pack turning on. Don't you want? Don't, aren't you turned on with this proton pack? Don't you want to fuck it? Pay no attention to the child who's holding it. Don't you want to fuck this proton pack? No. And you're weird. Yeah, I'm not. Weird. You must be one of those weirdos who you must be one of those weirdos who hated the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, aren't you? You fucking piece of shit. I mean, to quote Michael Jordan, "Stop it. Get, Get some, some help." help. <laughs> but no like they do that and then they fucking like fire it off and it's this like massive fucking explosion and, oh my god it's so amazing and again it, it's it's <sighs> which also misses the joke from the first one because the first time they fired the proton packs the ner- the maid in the hallway is like the hell are y'all doing <laughs> sorry thought you're someone else just all of them just sheepishly just like just like proton packs de- like like the fucking like throwers down just like looking at the ground kicking at nothing uh, and like they even make the ghosts like a threat which the ghosts in Ghostbusters kind of aren't a threat well they're not no. a threat except the main villain yeah like, like the demon monster is like most of the ghosts are yeah I just tapped into their boring ass daily routine and fucked them with it yeah like 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 this movie has an equivalent of Slimer. Of course it does. Excuse me. Sorry, burp stuck. Yeah, it has an equivalent of Slimer that is like blue instead of green, and he eats steel and then shoots it like a fucking machine gun. Where Slimer slimed you. Most of the ghosts in Ghostbusters up till now were ostensibly like Marley and Marley from the fucking, uh, like, Muppets Christmas Carol. They just floated around and went, at you, and that was it. Yeah. And uh, it's just like this movie and, like, Ghostbusters 2016 kind of go wrong directions in different, kind of go both, like, both go in wrong directions, but both go in different wrong directions from the first movie. Where, like, the 2016 Ghostbusters is, like, all right, we're going to lean into, like, the wacky comedy side of things. Our fucking, our fucking scientist is, like, blah, they're insane, blah. Uh, we're not going to write a script. It's just going to be the wackiest shit possible. Our fucking, our fucking Janine is going to be the dumbest motherfucker on the goddamn planet. And that's going to be funny, right? Comedy. Then, yeah. And then this one goes, goes, everything is serious. We will barely have any jokes. The majority of the jokes will come in the form of Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd or the fact that one of our characters is named Podcast. And I might, may I just say to that, how dare you waste Paul Rudd? <laughs> yeah, Paul Rudd is a treasure. <laughs> I say that only somewhat ironically. Like, I, I really like Paul Rudd. He's not, so do I. he's not spectacular, but he is typically solid in everything he's in. He is a fantastic, he's a fantastic, reliable actor. You get Paul Rudd in a movie, you know you're going to get something that's at least good. In terms of performance. Movie, that's his fucking top, toss in the air. Fucking Ant-Man and the Wasp. Go see that, I guess. Don't, but you know. You know what I mean. I mean, he's the only, he's the... He, I liked Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's the funniest part of it. It's just the problem is the movie is nothing, and it came out right after the movie where they killed off half the universe. So everyone's like, we're not I really- I liked in the Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
I do too, but I understand why people don't. George, I well, want to see wrong. the whales. <laughs> they're wrong. <laughs> but yeah, and then we get to the fucking end, and weirdly enough, there is there was two really weird uncredited roles with J.K. Simmons. Cave, you'll recognize him as the guy who played uh, J.J. Jameson in the uh, oh. in the Simon Raimi Spider-Man movies. Okay. And Olivia <laughs> Wilde. You could, you could have left it at J. Jonah Jameson because yeah. he is J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. And <laughs> Olivia Wilde. I have no idea where you might have seen her before, Cave, but did you, did you watch Tron Legacy? Yes. She was the girl. Ah, okay. Yeah. They both have uncredited appearance as, respectively, Evo Shandor, the guy who made the apartment building in the first movie, and Gozer. God, what the fuck? Because the plot is just Gozer again. But this time, the reason Gozer's happening here is because Gozer is on a repeating cycle every, like, 30-some years, and Evo Shandor had used a mine just outside of this fucking town that they're in to mine the fucking superconductive minerals that he used to make the steel beams to build the apartment building in the first movie. Sigh. I don't get it. Oh, and also, fucking, uh, <laughs> I don't know why this annoys me so much, but the dress, the dress that Dana was wearing when she was fully zooled out. God, Okay. <laughs> That wasn't a dress that just Dana owned. That was specifically a dress that got summoned by the demon as part of the ritual to bring about Gozer. The Gozerian. Yeah, because the mom, Egon's daughter, the mom, she gets possessed by Zool and then fucking dives out a goddamn window and runs off into the fucking fields. Into the hills. Where she meets up with Paul Rudd, who is possessed by Vince Clortho who is in full fucking hippie mode. He's like lounging on a rock with like an open shirt covered in dirt with just like a, there's like a flower tucked behind his ear, just kind of hanging out in sandals. And then the mom who, while running through the fucking dusty ass hills of whatever the fuck they're, whatever the fuck town they're in, got her hair and makeup did, and then just fucking magics herself into the exact dress from the first movie. They go off and fuck and then they turn into the dogs. And then Gozer shows up. And then the ghost of Egon Spengler shows up when the rest of the Ghostbusters are there. And they're all like, whoa, wow, it's a ghost. And it is the most uncomfortable fucking scene in my entire goddamn life. Because holy shit, just the present, this shit, and like Star Wars set is so fucking dark. Nothing ever dies. Everything is alive forever in the digital space. I look forward to Hollywood eventually making a movie entirely out of people resurrected from the dead and then auctioning those off as NFTs. Because you know that's going to happen. Uh, I actually, I, I am very hopeful that NFTs are dying. They are dying. <laughs> but, but do you trust Hollywood not to jump on a dead trend? There. Yeah, fucking GameStop opened an NFT marketplace. Oh, God. Yeah, it's doing surprisingly well, having earned $45,000. Mm -hmm. 
That is compared to the rest of the NFT market, which is collapsing. Fingers crossed. Hearing about fucking NFTs. Yeah. So, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a middling movie, carried largely by the performance of the main actress, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. But she is, she is a good. I think she is a good actress. Uh, she has been in a couple things that I've seen, and I've, I've enjoyed her in those. Uh, fucking McKenna Grace is her name. But yeah, she is a solid young actress, and I look forward to seeing the rest of her career. She was good in this. Everyone else was okay. Nothing against the podcast kid. I just fucking hate him. The podcast <laughs> character, not him. the actor. Nothing against him, but fuck that guy. I despise podcasts. I despise any character who is a podcaster. Because it will demonstrably be shown in the worst way possible. Like, I fully... I, I would I, I would love to hear what the people making this movie think the things these people record sound like. It kind of goes back to Scream, the TV series, with fucking Noah and his goddamn podcast in season two. Where it's just, okay, nothing you make will sound good. Let's record to our cell phone. Your, no, it's not even recording to your cell phone. Recording to your cell phone is one thing. Recording on the inline microphone that comes with the headphones your cell phone comes bundled with. Yeah. In a hospital room. Yeah. And then uploading the raw audio as the sign-off episode of your podcast. Fuck me. I hate it. I hate it so much. But yeah. So the last two things I want to talk about. Um, the Orville is back. Uh, the Orville, after a long time, has finally returned for season three. Uh, and, hey, it's good. It's also gotten heavier. Because, because some of the shit they deal with is so fucking out there, and I love it. Let me just go over the good episodes, because uh, at time of recording, seven episodes have been released, and I would consider one of them bad. Which, hey, compared to um, either Star Trek Picard or uh, Discovery, that's a very good batting average. He's not wrong. Yeah. So, episode one, Isaac. I, I, I was willing to defend Discovery. Yeah. Until recently. Yeah. So <laughs> then I got to an episode that was just like, I can't watch any more of this. So episode one, Isaac, a Kalon, uh, basically the equivalent of like a Borg uh, t style race, who is on board the Orville. Uh, fucking commit suicide. Oh, yeah, you told me about this one. Yeah, he just fucking kills himself. And then it's just kind of the rest of the ship. Uh, and specifically the people who were like, hey, I don't care if you die. You you are a monster for what your people have done. 
come to terms with their own feelings and are like, oh, I made a mistake. Let's bring him back. Uh, episode three. Because episode two is bad. Episode three. They introduce a Q equivalent by having the characters, by having like the away team uh, go to a really weird planet and then all of them get to, exp- and all of them, all the different crew members experience death in some capacity because the Q, which is a, the Q ref- the Q uh, race, which is actually a race of people introduced in season like two, where there's this world like out of multiphasic shift or whatever the fuck they call it, where Every couple of years or every couple of months, it comes back into like shift with our reality. But like hundreds or potentially thousands of years have passed. And so like they get to see, they get to see the society advance in like massive steps. That society has essentially reached the point where they are immortal god beings who can no longer experience or understand death. So they're just like, hey. Let's put you guys in completely safe, but as far as you're concerned, deadly situations, and see how you react. This has to be or a deliberate reference, right? Uh, pardon? This has to be a deliberate reference, right? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, uh, episode four. Uh, they are... There's this race called the Krill, which are like Klingons, but, you know, more. Who are all... Reli- the Krill are, is, are a race of religious zealots who believe wholeheartedly in their in their like doctrine that the krill are the only race in existence with a soul thus they are better and should it should be, rule and be everything but but uh the uh yeah <laughs> but the uh, union is like going with the fucking federation or whatever it's called is like hey we need an alliance with them because the robots are coming and they're gonna fuck us they're going to fuck all of us. Right in the ass. But if we team up together, we can fuck their ass. Right in the ass. Uh, and as the as they are going there to, like, you know, discuss this, um, they end up stuck in the middle of a potentially violent coup as a as the lecture is going on. And a Krill who had been previously set up in seasons like one in, in season two, I believe, uh, she ends up taking over and goes like full hard into like hey no we are religious and we are religious extremists we are isolationists we are going to stay here we have the power to take care of the Kalon ourselves. get the fuck out of here you fucking weird monsters where the episode ends up turning into a thing about abortion and we learned that Ed our main character has a half krill child hidden away in seclusion on the planet what it is so good it's so fucking cool. Episode five, a tale of two Topas. Topa is a character that we have seen from season one where she was an egg to season three. And in particular, how her existence has really fucked up the relationship between her parents. So Topa and her parents, Bordis and Clyden, they are Mocklins. And Mocklin, Mocklins are a race a single-gendered race. Mocklins can, like, reproduce, uh, like, homosexually with each other, and as far as they are concerned, every, every fucking uh, member of their race is one gender. However, in season one, we learn that a small percentage of Mocklins are born female. 
And then those females are forcibly put through a gender reassignment surgery to become male. Uh, and they treat it they treat it like a fucking hair lip getting corrected. Uh yeah, like that's like, how the like, Mocklins that, that, view it. That's how the Mocklins treat it. Everyone else is like, this is a fucking nightmare. What the fuck are you people doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's fucking Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> that finally convinces one of our two Mocklins, yeah, no, this is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. They eventually go through with it in season one. Get to season... They don't have a choice. They're forced to do it. Yeah. Get to season two, though. And that has been building in their relationship since season one, where Bordis eventually just explodes and yells at his husband like, we made a mistake. Which eventually leads to, like, Bordis, like, sequestering himself away from the relationship and end up getting, like, addicted to, like, holodeck porn. Which isn't treated as a joke. It's just treated as this man needs companionship in some capacity because he isn't getting it from his marriage. Which eventually leads to, like, them trying to divorce by Clyden stabbing Bordis with a sword because that's how their culture does it. Uh, and yeah, and we end up learning about uh, that there was a Mocklin woman who never got reassigned, never got like the surgery at birth, and her parents raised her female, and so she was able to like talk before Mocklin Congress and be like, "Hey, this is fucked." Stop. <laughs> yeah, get to season three. Topa has been raised male un- for their entire life up until this point, but then Topa begins having. You know, the feelings of like, oh, I, this is wrong. This shouldn't be like this. This is weird. Which then leads to more fucking horrendous shit happening between her parents. Uh, he, She ends up going to Isaac and being like, hey, when you killed yourself, how did you feel? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> And they hand, and it's it's so fucking neat, and like the, and like they're trying to like maintain diplomatic relationships with with the Mocklins because, you know, there's a war going on. They can't have one of their strongest allies just fuck off because the crew did something that is objectively good, but like diplomatically a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So they find a workaround using Isaac because Isaac is technically not a member of the union, so he's just like, hey, I'll do it. Isaac is quickly becoming my favorite character, and I haven't even seen most of these episodes yet. Isaac's great, dude! And yeah, so then Topa gets gets reassigned back to her proper gender and proper sex, and Clyden fucks off, just abandons the family entirely. But then Bordis is like, hey, cool, my daughter, get over here. Because Bordis is the good one. Clyden, by the way, had been reassigned at birth. Yes. And hid it. Yeah, he hid it. He 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 was so indoctrinated into like the Mocklin culture that it was that he genuinely uh, I sh- saw. I should say that that Bordis like was strictly on the side of yep, got to change your gender until he saw Rudolph. Yeah, but then, he saw the light from Rudolph's nose. Yeah, it's, I hate it's, that. That's what did it. I yeah, and so much. I want to say this, Clyden. 
is a really interesting character with his dynamic with Bordas and all this shit happening. I fucking hate him, but I hate him for the reason that he is an interesting character. It's kind of a Joffrey thing where it's like, yo, fuck that guy, but the performance and writing is great. The worst part about the episode where they're doing the debate over the gender, I was sitting there like, I don't know how I should feel. Right? It is shockingly good from the people who, from like the mind of Seth MacFarlane. That's the thing I keep having to like reconcile, like reconcile with myself. It's like, oh right, Seth MacFarlane, the man who did. If like, you watched, there were plenty of episodes of the Family Guy that made you made it clear that he does like Star Trek. It's just you weren't necessarily sure that. Seth MacFarlane would make a, sh- a Star Trek show people would actually like. <laughs> yeah. But yes, so moving on to episode six, this one is the fucking neatest. It's time travel, but it's oh, fucked up God. time travel, so it's awesome. So, Aronov device. The thing in the first episode of the first season that makes the big tree in the spaceship. That comes back. Specifically, Lamar, who cave, I guess, I don't know if he got there yet. Uh, he eventually like gets up. He eventually gets like promoted to like chief of engineering. Oh, cool. Good for him. Yeah. Cause it turns out he's a super genius. Yeah. He found a way to use the Aronov device to like pinpoint travel in time. He can, he can like just put something underneath it and then just go blam and then send it to an exact point in time. They are being attacked by Kalons, and they are being attacked by Kalons as they are transporting the device because the fleet's like, they report this to the fleet, and the fleet's like, okay, that can't be out there. So bring it to us. You attack by Kalons, get shot while they are, they get shot, like some fucking combination of being shot in like a power surge causes the device to temporarily activate and boot Gordon back to 2015. They use the device to jump back in time, but they don't have enough fuel to get back fully, so they end up in 2025, where he's been stuck there for 10 years. Turns out, he had, uh, he had ended up getting himself a job as, like, a fairly well-known pilot, married a woman from the time, and had one kid and another kid on the way with her. Oh, no. Flagrantly disregarding their laws about time travel. Ask nastification. But, so, so they're like, hey, Gordon, you're coming back with us right now. And he pulls a gun on them. Because he's gone full native. You know, he's been here for 10, he's been here for a decade. Yeah. (laughs) And what's actually really interesting about that thing is Gordon is horrendously traumatized by having to add kill animals to make food. Remember, they're from the future where replicators are, so nothing had to die to make any of their food. But then he had to kill multiple animals to get food. He talks about it and calls himself a murderer. He's like on the verge of crying. It is fantastic and such a cool concept for someone traveling through time because you never fuck. They never talk about that. It's fucking so interesting. But yeah, so time is constantly in flux because of what 
bullshit is happening. So they end up getting the fuel to go back in time further. Travel back to 2015 from 2025 and grab the Gordon before he went full native. I mean, that's how you got to do it. Yeah. And Gordon is, and they talked to Gordon about like what happened. And Gordon is straight up appalled and shocked by what he did. And is like, Hey, no, you did the right thing. I don't know what the fuck was up with me. That I should, that was a problem. I am sorry. I pulled a gun on you in the future. It's so cool. And then episode seven. Newest episode. I've just been going through these plots because I just fucking really like the show. Uh, it explores particularly the background of the Kalon and how they came to be. Hey, it's what you would expect. They were made as they were made as a servant race of robots who eventually gained sentience, and then the company was like, "Give me news what happened. We're going to send out a firmware update that makes them feel pain." And so then they got tortured. And then eventually the Kalon rose up and genocided their creators. What a shock. Yes. We also learn uh, that there is a Kalon who crashed on like this fucking rock somewhere with someone. They stayed together for a year. And the doctor who'd be who he crashed with found a way to basically program emotions into him. So now there is a Kalon out there that feels things. Hmm. Yeah, eventually that that gets given to Isaac. Because he was like, hey, I'm here to... Because A, he was there to study human emotion. And B, he's technically in a relationship. So it'd be, you know, nice to be able to feel things in that relationship. Nah. And he gets the upgrade. Gets emotions for a while, but it turns out he the only it turns out uh, he ends up losing the emotions because his brain is too advanced from old Kalon tech to be able to properly have emotions in that way. That whole thing is great, but then the but then the rest of the episode is kind of a comedy bit because they are the crew is negotiating with a race where males are second class species; they are second class citizens. They it's, you know, it's that one episode of Sliders. Mm-hmm. And so the crew is so the crew is like, all right, so all the women who have command positions, you will get the guys' command positions. And the rest of us will just kind of be like lackeys. And they have a hilarious gag where the women carry where the women species came with too much baggage and they gotta carry it all, but they can't carry so much of it. But up up but up but Sexism. A little bit. Uh, and then speaking of sex, uh, Lamar ends up having sex with a Tali, who is the Latala, who is the like uh, security officer. She's one of like the super strong aliens. She came from a heavy gravity world. Yes, and every time they fuck, she ends up breaking something of his because That's she's super strong. Healthy. Yeah, That's not uh, healthy. They need to talk about that. Yeah, that start out. They're ma- they're making out in bed. She breaks his arm and bruises a couple ribs. Uh, second time, she breaks his leg. Honey, uh, no. Third time, uh, b- because because she's like, hey, we can't keep doing this. I have feelings for you, and I don't want to see you constantly getting hurt because of me. And he's like, no, no, baby, we can make it work. It'll be great. And then the, and then the final time, they fucking hook up. Uh, they're, just talking, they're just talking, and they finally decide, yeah, let's put this on hold. We 
Let's put this on hold. And we just like slowly zoom out from her face to see Lamar. And his face is just like covered in welts, cuts, and bruises. He ends up spitting up a couple of his own teeth. He's bruised everywhere. It's like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> it's great. God damn. <laughs> I fucking love the Orville. <sighs> Final thing I have to talk about is a show called Evil. Oh. I like Evil. It is a, like, case of the week procedural horror-ish series about a... Okay, you'll be able to answer this question for me then. Yes? How does it treat religion? Because every ad I've seen for it has been like, yeah, and Catholicism, how about that? And it's just like, no. Uh, Okay, so... Mm, how do I explain this? With your words. Catholicism isn't shown as good. With the main character being black, they do bring up a fair amount of race issues. And every time they do, the church is like, hey, let's just ignore, let's just like move on from that. Fuck. Yeah, uh, they they actually do an episode about like cop shooting on our black people. And how that isn't a method, how that isn't a creation of evil, but I, I believe it's not a creation of evil. It's just a thing that evil has kind of piggybacked onto. Okay. See, this I might be more willing to tolerate then. Yeah. And, and like in the most recent like season, or the last couple episodes, uh, they had an episode where like people were seeing this angel and the church was like, hey, we think it's this lady. So let's fucking look at her. And then whenever they fucking, whenever they talk about it, uh, they kind of bring it up. People keep seeing her as white and she's like, I think Brazilian or something. And there's like another angel who, uh, who he knows like St. Sorry, St. St. Monica, who is African, but they keep showing, but they keep like showing pictures of her as white because, you know, the church is mainly made by white people. What? The church is racist. Yeah. And, And so we know like objectively that demons and angels are real in this universe. Mm -hmm. And so David, our main character, who was like the priest sees an angel who's white. And then a couple days later sees that same angel, but now she's black. I'm going to watch this show. And so now he's like, Hey, are these visions I'm seeing real? If my perception of these visions is being tainted by my own thought process at the time, then how are they real? And that's neat. That is a neat idea. And it's uh, Mike Coulter, I believe is his name. Uh, play- He's Luke Cage. Ah. But like, you know, playing in a good show. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of Luke Cage. Fucking at me, you cowards. There He's was, a good Luke Cage. The show isn't that great. There was for the Luke Cage show to be better than it was until it's just come to the Netflix formula worse than I think any of the other shows, except Iron Fist, which was just bad from the beginning. Yeah. The, in everything Iron Fist was in, there was one episode where I kind of liked him, and it was in Luke Cage. Because <laughs> he chilled the fuck out. Yeah, again, to quote Stick, thundering dumbass. Yep. And then I build a character who's a wealthy white guy and Ted's like, oh, so you're playing Luke, you're playing Iron Fist. I'm like, God, no. 
Like, my character's actually gonna help the community, unlike a certain rich white asshole we know. Hey, I'm not rich. I was talking to... Uh, <laughs> but no, so yeah, for those who don't know, evil as an idea is set up as there is a priest in training, a, psychi a psychiatrist or some kind of like brain doctor, and a tech guy who work as uh, basically people who investigate miracles and claims of demonic possession. The three of them get like assigned cases by the local church in New York and then go out and investigate at places to try to determine if this is a legitimate spiritual thing happening or if it's just some bullshit. And then from there, things kind of spread out and get a bit more complicated because then it turns into like this weird conspiracy against like these 15, against these like huge numbers of demonic houses, like the fucking Vatican secret police get involved recently. Uh, some of the main, some of our main characters may or may not be possessed by demons at the, at the current moment. Uh, there is a nun who just knows everything, but is just kind of being like shy hush hush about it because it's not part of God's plan. God may or may not be an asshole. Okay, God is an asshole. No comment. You know, just canonically. Within, within, within the canon of the show, I should say. No comment. Yeah, we, we haven't really gotten specific things about him, but based on everything he's doing, he seems kind of like a dick. Uh, and then there is, uh, like, the forces of yeah, evil. from under there. Yeah, and then there's the forces of evil working with human agents, specifically a guy named Leland, who... Do you guys watch Lost? Nope. I tried. <laughs> okay, shit. <laughs> uh, person of interest. Yes. Finch? It's Finch. Okay. Okay. Yes. But he is a psychopath working for the forces of hell. Oh, yeah, no. Kit oh, yeah, I've seen that ad. Yeah. I've seen that ad. Yeah. Uh, he is, like, he's, like, answering. He's, he answers to, like, a number of demons, all of whom are, like, these kind of pale, kind of hairy, like, goat creatures with, like, five eyes just kind of walk around just hang out like dudes. Like, we recently met a demon who is currently working at Crypto Scam. Because, you know, evil. And he's just like, hey, how you doing? It's, it's me. I'm your boss. I'm a demon. Hey, how's it going? Hey, you got some cookies? Great. Let me barf on them. <laughs> Now feed them to children. They'll become my demonic spawn. <laughs> hey, look, take this back scratcher and scratch my ass. Oh, yeah, that's good. Hey, you got a promotion. The hole. The hole. Scratch the hole. Yeah. <sighs> and I will say, it is actually, it's actually shocking the amount of, like, practical effects that go into the demon work. Because while, like, you know, when they're flying and shit, they're, when when they're doing, like, shit that is hard for a person to do, they are. CG. But for the most part, they're just people in makeup and costumes. And it looks pretty good. And yeah, like, uh, a, a, chunk of the, a chunk of the show is just kind of each of them having different experiences with the supernatural and like this bigger conspiracy. Because even, even like the fucking people who are skeptical of all of this shit recognize there is a conspiracy going on with the amount of like these demonic symbols they see popping up and like all these different weird connections. There's like this, I think like a big thing from like season one or two, potentially two was this, uh, uh, fertility clinic that was 
through demonic means, trying to create tainted children. <laughs> Just children who were susceptible to the influence of Satan and evil. And then, like, that connects into this, like, larger conspiracy theory involving, like, you know, prophets and other demonic houses. And it just turned into, like, it turned from, like, just, hey, case of the week procedural thing to, like, this case of the week procedural with this, like, massive, like, overarching story involving, like, involving, like, a bunch of different factions, like, vying for control and power. And they've kept a lot of it focused on our three core characters and the three of them having essentially a through line for each of these seasons with Kristen, our psychiatrist uh, being like, I'm going fucking insane. I'm seeing demons and shit. I am doing things. I shouldn't, I doing things I'm not normally doing. My husband is gone for months at a time in the Himalayas. And I'm just stuck here taking care of four preteen daughters, which every time those daughters are on screen, give me a fucking panic attack. Cause they keep screaming. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> And then you got David, the priest, who is who is like fully into this is all real. This is all actually happening. I've seen God. I need to keep seeing God. So I take drugs to do it. Even he, he, Oh, lovely. He originally went to the priesthood because he had a bunch of mushrooms and saw God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the drug thing kind of like faded off because, you know, he's in training to be a priest. and You can't really be high off your ass while being trained to be a priest. Mm hmm. And so it's a lot of just him trying to, like, brute force these visions, trying to, like, get God to talk to him again and figure out what the fuck he's supposed to be doing. And it just kind of gets, like, closer and closer to, you know, this sister who can see demons and then seeing demons himself and then seeing angels. There's all this other shit happening. And there's Benny. Benny is the tech guy. And I said I would bring this up before. But motherfucker, people have specialties. This man is... A computer expert, an expert on decoding audio and video, an expert on all kinds of visual effects. He's an expert on like chemistry and mechanics and all kinds of other shit. He's a plumbing guy. He fucking runs. He fucking runs like radio frequencies scans and shit. He does. He does basically any tech like thing that the episode needs him to do. And again, this fucking idea that all nerds are all nerds at all times. In season three, he is like beginning to struggle with he, he's beginning to get depressed because he is like struggling to reconcile all of the supernatural shit he has been seeing with his job and the fact that he is a logic based science boy. So magic is weird. So his sister takes him to the Super Science League. A, a room that probably yeah, like a bunch of people in a room in a building where the room probably smells horrendous. Where they're greeted by a man in his 40s going greeting earthlings while dressed as Spock and then having to create an explosion using a, using kitchen appliances in two minutes so that they can be so that they can be given the honor of watching a very dry seminar about a space rock that poops out smaller space rocks. You know, like nerds do. So fucking frustrating. I, I have watched such seminars, and I could probably pull off the explosion, but 
the fuck? Yeah, I couldn't. And I also don't really see the fucking connection between, hey, if you make this explosion, you can watch this 75-year-old dude stand in front of you and talk for two hours while a rock spins on a monitor. Like, I don't see... I don't see the correlation between hooking a toaster up to a goddamn pepper mill or some shit and watching it explode. And then, yeah, this rock poops out smaller rocks. No one knows why. Just keeps doing it. Look at it go. Just pooping away. Neat, huh? It just, it fucking infuriates me. It's, it's yeah, the same. If they gave you coffee creamer, it'd be pretty easy. It's the same kind of thing with like, like, Hey, back off, man. He's a scientist. Just people have specialties. <sighs> but I've been enjoying evil. Uh, I think the first season is a little bit uh, shaky at times just because, you know, it's the first season. Uh, getting into the second season, they move over to streaming. And so the episodes are able to kind of do more of what they want. Uh, it doesn't go super hardcore, but they, like, say fuck every now and again, and occasionally you see a tit. Ooh, tits. I think it's, like, one I think it's like one or two per season. Ooh, tits. Yeah, but... It's neat. Like, the horror stuff, uh, they... The only times they ever rely on jump scares is specifically for, like, jokes. Just people fucking with them. In particular, at one point, they break into Leland's place and are, like... Like searching through his stuff, and then all of a sudden, like a fucking like wind up monkey just comes out of nowhere and just starts like clapping maniacally with symbols, just as a jump scare. Which that was there to dissuade them from looking further because it's like, oh, he's just fucking with us. Because directly under that monkey was like a hidden was like a hidden bottom of a, of a wardrobe that had all like a bunch of evidence in it. You know, decent plan. But yeah, it's just kind of shit like that. Uh, a lot of a lot of the rest of it is it's just like more. Just like static shots on like static shots on like walls or like corridors and stuff. And then it will come back to a character just kind of looking down and then cut back. And then you'll see something slowly moving towards you for a lot of the horror stuff, uh, which that's I think that works better than just like then just everyone's about just going, but it's a spooky thing. Woo. Yeah, I it's neat. It's a neat show. I think that's about all I got. And we're almost at the three-hour marks. So thank you all for joining us. Cave uh, and I will be back at some point in the near future. Uh, Birdie, on a different show, but probably back in soon in the near future. Check out Die. Yep, check out Die or a TTRPG show. Or run and Curse Destiny. Uh, yeah, also check out the ending of Titans. We got uh, Titan Season 3 commentary tracks up, as well as soon. Birdie's uh, review of the first three scenes of the Titans. Because the problem is the same throughout. It just gets compoundingly worse. Ah, but yeah. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, though, I'm dead. I'm Cave. I am intermittently Birdie. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Okay, Have a wonderful time. Yeah, man.